Hello, everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Thursday, not August 4th. I don't know how the calendar works, but it's Thursday of whatever the week August 4th takes place in. And this is episode 38 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Assault Nosaki, who's a little disappointed that I didn't say Schmerz Day. What's up, Josh? Yeah, oh, now I get to join you. I see how it is. <laughs> Redhead stepchild over here. I'd say that you were invited, but you really weren't. Let's be honest. Oh. <laughs> And a man that I'm uh, surprised is still talking to me after all this. Again, probably for the best, Josh. Uh, Skipper Ben, what's up, Ben? He's still talking to me? Thursday, August 4th. Or, I mean, it's Wednesday, August 4th. But whatever. We don't care. Let's not restart this show. Let's just go with our errors, Tim. Thursday, August 5th, if anyone really, really cares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, what year? Uh, the, the year of our Lord, uh, 2017. Um <laughs> So, Ben and I just got back from a uh, week of hand-holding in Walt Disney World, uh, where he ditched his uh, wife and daughters, and I, I left uh, left them in another state, and we just kind of hung around and skipped around Fantasyland for, for a week, so uh, I, did. I, had a, I had a great time, I don't know about you. I didn't think we'd ride Barnstormer as many times as we did. <laughs> well, I was just tall enough to ride it this year, so you are. Uh, I appreciate you, uh, you, you coaching me through it. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, before we get into the trip report, we have a couple of news topics, and with this, a couple, like, a couple yes, uh, with this being a show where uh, Josh wasn't otherwise going to be engaging, uh, we wanted to come up with some of the most divisive topics for him to weigh in on. Uh, so we appreciate that. Thank you. Hold on, hold on, Tim, Tim. Let me let me get my beer because this is going to be entertaining. <laughs> You know, there's some listener right there who's like, I hate that Josh guy, but I'll give this show one more try. And they heard that intro and they just unsubscribe from the show. Son of a bitch. I mean, really, the first uh, the first four I know that you've uh, you've voiced some opinions on in the past. Um, I'm going to hit the low hanging fruit right now. Uh, Hall of Presidents reopens. The uh, the change was minimal. Uh, the speaker, uh, the, the third speaker shifted from Trump to Biden. That's not a surprise. Uh, the biggest difference is uh, Trump gave an additional speech over and above the oath of office, uh, office which is like the office, uh, and Biden just gave the oath, oath of office. Personally, I am in favor of just limiting the sitting president to just the oath of office, nothing further. I don't know if you guys have any differing opinions, and we've all kind of said that the attraction should probably be put out to pasture anyway, but uh, I don't know what you guys thought of the Hall of Presidents reopening. I agree with everything that you just said. Okay. You're, you're not really doing much for the divisiveness of the show, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ben, I, I watched it. I, uh, yeah, no, I... I uh, Hall of Presidents is something that I have not done... Gosh... Many, many, maybe, maybe when Obama first went in was the last time that I've I've done that. Uh, okay, I'm ready to weigh in now. <laughs> <laughs> it, but, but I did watch the video. Uh, it opened the day after we returned, uh, so it was not open while we were there. Uh, but I watched the video. It looked good. Everything everything looked nice in there. The uh, the presentation of the show looked good. Uh, the the audio animatronics obviously looked great. I think. Uh, you know, I think they, they were fixed probably, the Trump sculpt a little they, bit. They did fix the Trump one some, and uh, they obviously were prepared with uh, a Biden one, uh, unlike how they weren't prepared last election around. And, and I think they know, changed the hair and put, <laughs> put a, a Trump wig on the Hillary animatronic that they were planning for uh, yeah. for 2017. Uh, but I, I, liked, I liked what they did with just the uh, uh, oath of office. I think that helps – you know, with some of the decisiveness that that attraction was seen inside the theater that D just... Divisiveness, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. 
uh, it, it helps limit those issues uh, and just kind of gets to the point of the show and, and, and gets and gets through those scenes. So uh, it looked good. It looked good, and uh, you know, it's obviously going to be here for a little while with with the, this update, and we'll see what they do in the the, the years to come. My last thought is, you know how if you ever go to Vegas, there's no clocks in the casino because they don't want you to be connected to the real world? Right. I think that's sort of the problem that Hall of Presidents has in that park is that people are paying mind-numbing amounts of money now, which we're going to talk about later, <laughs> um, you know, to experience that place. And it's just uh, – anymore, and it's really a sad state of affairs, I think. I, I wish the country weren't as divided as it were. And I actually think if you go out and talk to your neighbors that – you find that most people are a little bit more similar than you would certainly uh, gather if you just watch mm-hmm. the news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's like NASCAR. If you watch, you know, the sports channel, all you see is the wrecks. That's kind of like what the news is. But unfortunately, we're all human. We're subject to to getting wrapped up in that, and I, I I'm certainly guilty of it. It, it. You know, it just makes my blood pressure go up when I see things, and it. You know, that's a place where I want to go and escape from that. So I agree with you. That just it it. It was probably if even if you just redid it so it was a deeply historical thing, which would still probably piss off some yeah, well, of the yeah. people, mm-hmm. but not as much as if you have you know current political events being or yeah. current political figures being highlighted. I should say. So the video montages that they uh, montage used, <laughs> used previously uh, remained the same, as far as I know, from the Trump version to the Biden version. And uh, regardless yeah. of your opinion of either president, the update during the uh, uh, the Trump administration was a very significant and I think a great update. Uh, I think they upgraded the video system in there. Uh, I think the story of the American presidency flows better um, when they did that. And I I would see it a couple of times per presidential administration, and I don't think anything is going to change. I think I'll see it one or two times during the Biden administration, and then uh, whoever's the next president, I'll go back and see it one or two times for that. But I am very much of the opinion that this attraction should probably go the way of the dodo. But anyway, that's enough on Hall of Presidents. I, I, I did I did like the uh, Biden reminding everybody to get the vaccine uh, after his <laughs> oath. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch. I wonder if they'll pull that, though, once we hit hard immunity. Uh, but, you know, that was that was the one update that I did really like in there. And speaking of that, uh, we have some. We Please had your your angry emails to <laughs> Skipper, the, the real Skipper well, Ben, the divisive force behind uh, Marty Call. The arm movements of Trump giving the crotch chop when they introduced <laughs> him was impressive. Uh, don't that, remember that, that kind of movement during this during uh, the last go around of Hall of Presidents. That actually would get me in there for sure. <laughs> what actually was interesting as well is he and uh, Bubba winked at each other, and they both did uh, put their tongue between a couple of fingers at the uh, at the end. Okay, of it. So anyway. That's- Next subject. <laughs> I like how um, I'm the one you guys are worried about when we're talking about this. I want you to play this back and really think hard about whether or not I'm the one that's being unreasoned here. We're just, we're just baiting you is really what it comes yep. down to. We're drawing you off sides. I'm the master at baiting, so you got a lot of work um, to do to catch up to me. I've heard that about you. You're also a cunning linguist, which is ironic. But anyway, true. the uh, uh, vaccination news in Disney World, uh, <laughs> vaccines are now required for all cast members. They have 60 days to uh, uh, to get vaccinated, uh, provided that they are not in a union. But I believe this is the way that it was written is it applies to all hourly and salaried employees uh, at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Because that makes sense. <laughs> around around the same time. I was exposed to someone who had a raging case of COVID the other day. Thank God they were a teamster. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it's that they are still negotiating with the unions, but it'll be interesting to see if being a member of a union excludes you from this policy or if Disney uh, – I mean, in Disneyland, they have so much uh, union uh, uh, labor in that park. I, I, I thought I saw something like 80 to 90 percent of the uh, employees of Disneyland are union. But then uh, alongside this, and I, uh, the vaccination was a five o'clock at uh, on a Friday news drop. The indoor <laughs> masks um, was announced uh, on Wednesday of last week, uh, saying that all guests visiting beginning Friday needed to wear masks indoors. So uh, Ben and I were there when this uh, when this changed. Ben, I don't know. I saw prior to this maybe like twenty percent of people wearing masks indoors uh, and outdoors. You. You saw more than I did because, okay. uh, yeah, I might be I, I overstating it, but yeah, it was very, very few were wearing them, uh, around the parks before the mandate. And then once the mandate went in indoors, I think everybody had them on. You had some people wearing them as a chin diaper, uh, you had some people wearing them just over their mouth. Um, I mean, I don't know, I didn't see any cast member enforcing it, but the, the, the good thing is I didn't see anybody yelling at cast members. I didn't see any of that. And uh, getting ahead to a bit of the trip report, one of the first things I did, try to wrap your mind around this, was go to guest services. And <laughs> uh, the guy in front of me in line was... Hang on, uh, Derek is trying to Skype me right now. The <laughs> uh, uh, guy in front of me in line uh, was a veteran, and he was talking, and I had a very good conversation with him, but uh, he informed me that COVID is not real, and uh, nobody's going to make him wear a mask. And this was ahead of Disney coming down with that information. So I'm curious as to how the rest of his trip ended up. But what, the one thing I said to him is, look, I'm not going to preach to you, but uh, I just ask that you be respectful to cast members. Um, if anybody asks you to do it, don't be a jerk about it. And he said, yeah, no, I, that's fair. That's fair. So um, to Josh's well, point. He, let me just before you move on. He is right. Disney has no right to make him wear a mask. But they certainly have the right to not let him in if he doesn't. I exactly, mean, that's exactly. that's the bottom line is that, you know, your rights and the rights of the people that disagree with you have to meet somewhere. And that's the boundary that we're all trying to fondle each other for right now. Right. And, and I, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I going back to what you were saying a minute ago about the, the enforcement, I did see a, a lot of enforcement. Okay. Uh, and you were there longer than me, so that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was a bit half and half. Uh, honestly, some some were quite polite with asking it, and I didn't see anybody fighting uh, the 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 anytime they were requested. Everybody pulled the mask up or pulled their mask out, put it on. Uh, there, I did see several times cast members being maybe a bit overly aggressive in telling you to do it. Uh, that I don't know if it warranted needing that because again, I and this is just me. I didn't see people arguing it at all not one time everybody did right. it so maybe maybe somebody had fought them on it earlier or they were getting sick of it or <laughs> i did i mean i wouldn't say this was the friendliest bunch of cast members i've ever encountered uh while there and there's a million reasons probably for that so i'm not holding that against them one bit but uh you they, should. They, that that is uh unjustified excuse <laughs> of failing to do what they're literally hired to do but okay I, yeah i i I don't disagree with you there. I just think there are some circumstances that are unusual. And I go back, you know, this su next summer and things hopefully, you know, improved in the world and, the, and everything else that I would hope some of that old Disney spirit would be, you know, brought back a bit. But they, 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 were, they were enforcing it. Some were doing it very, you know, kindly, and politely. Some were quite aggressive with it. Uh, but I did not come across one instance where one single uh, guest 
gave anybody any grief over it. And I was there for from Friday through Monday evening. So I was there for an extended amount of time. I would have, and we were in the parks the entire time. So I would have, uh, you know, thought I would have encountered more than, than what I ended up seeing. It's, it's good to hear that you didn't experience any guests being, uh, being <laughs> miserable to cast members. Uh, they do take a beating and I do think they are short staffed right now, but yeah. I also think that, uh, the vaccination requirement for cast members is something Disney probably wanted to do a while ago, but they didn't have the requisite staff or the ability to be picky, for lack of a better word, until now, where they were able to get staffing up to a certain point where they felt they could mandate something like this and not risk losing staffing and losing revenue. And it, I'm sure is a very delicate balance to play, but I think they're doing this now so that when October 1st comes around, they can be at full throttle. So yeah. 60 I, I think days out. I think there's another component to it too, which is I think okay. they're doing a lot of hiring. And one yeah. thing I've learned is that when you change, change, nobody likes change. So even though a policy that is less than desirable is easier to, to get someone to buy into if that's a condition of getting a job oh, as yeah, opposed yeah. to when you hire them and ch then change the rules. So I think that the, you know, the opposing, the strength of the opposing force is going to be diminished if they hire people with this policy in place. So I think that's the right choice, you know, and honestly, and this is, you know, we joked before the show that this was going to be one that I was going to generate a lot of negative email on. And I, I think I actually might not, I hope I'm not wrong, <laughs> but you know, if you want it, when someone decides to be a cast member, at Walt Disney World, you are making a conscious choice to interface with millions of people from the public. Right. You know, that is a job where honestly, there's not a whole lot of alternative ways that you can protect people from exposure to this thing. Yeah. You know, absolutely right. there, there's a lot of jobs, you know, the job that I have, the job that you have. I don't really know exactly what Ben does. I picture him in a dark room by himself a lot. That's correct. Um, yeah. You're on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there are a lot of jobs where you could provide some alternate means of providing safety, but I don't think that's really the case with a frontline cast member. And if you did, you'd be kind of destroying their whole value proposition, which is that face-to-face -face interaction. Admittedly, right. we're in bizarro land now and it's sort of screwed up, but I, I think this is probably the right choice. And, um, it, you know, it's, it, sorry, go I, ahead. I was going to say, it's funny you say that because even though you know, with me wanting to work there, I wanted to do the Jungle Cruisers, certain things I wanted to do, but my, by far, my favorite thing was interacting with guests in any sure. way. You know, I, my favorite thing to do was at, at, especially over at Muppets, when I had the position out in the courtyard, was looking for those guests who were lost or confused or didn't know what to do next and going up to them and helping them in those, in those ways. So yeah, you're right. If, if you want to work at Disney, that's part and parcel of the the job is is the amount of interaction that you have to have with people on a daily basis. So whatever they need to do to make sure those those cast members are safe, I think is the right decision. At this point, is Disney as an entity, an entity or a country, the largest entity that is requiring vaccinations? Like I, I believe it's, well, it's either I, I, number I, I, one I, or number two. I object to the question because I don't think that the <laughs> those shouldn't be treated the same. And I don't, I don't want to encourage anyone to consider them to be the same. As a private company, <laughs> I think they have the right to mandate that. Okay, that's uh, fair. Yes. As I, a country, I, I absolutely don't think that any country – certainly not – I'll speak to America since I know the law here. No. 
And there are some cities now, <coughs> New York City, Cuomo, fuck off, um, that are, you know, <laughs> ahead of that direction. And I think that's absolutely tremendously problematic. And Disney's going to encounter the same thing because even if you take away, granted, on every side of any political argument, there's morons and blowhards and people that aren't really informed and they just want to pound their chest and, you know, oppose everything. I'm, I'm not talking about that. There are edge cases that are really, really challenging in this. There mm -hmm. are people who, for medical reasons, cannot oh, get a vaccine. There are people that, for religious reasons, cannot get a vaccine. And whether absolutely. you think that's reasonable or not, under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, as amended, you cannot compel them to do so. So There was a pavilion about that in the 64-65 World's Fair, right? On the Civil Rights Act of 1964. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant about COVID. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Ford COVID pavilion. You know, so there's going to be a lot of, I would say, listeners, stay tuned. There's going to be probably a lot of news stories percolating up about this because what will invariably happen, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know, maybe this is kind of public discourse we need, but there will be legitimate situations where following the rules isn't viable. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be probably an order of magnitude of people more than that that are going to try and, you know, hitch onto that horse to, to say that they're, you know, also not going to follow this rule and shouldn't be fired. And certainly, Disney's not a company that has any lack of lawyers. So I'm sure this has been discussed, <laughs> but it will be fascinating to see. But yeah, I think you're right, Tim. I think this is setting – if you were running a relatively large corporation, you're probably going to be looking to Disney and seeing what they're doing as sort of a guidepost as to what yeah. you might want to do. Well, we should probably <clears> – it's <throat> not in the show notes, but touch on it uh, – Exactly your point there of uh, the theme parks that are right down the street from Disney that did not follow the guidance of Disney with Universal and SeaWorld still just highly recommending people to wear a mask indoors as opposed to making it mandatory. What well, else thoughts on that? I mean, is, is it is it uh, the, the, the one thing I saw immediately when this was announced was people thinking they were playing off of the people that were not going to go to Disney anymore because of the mandate and going and going to maybe Universal instead since they're a bit looser with the rules. I don't think that's far-fetched at all. I mean, it's 90 fucking degrees out. I don't want to wear a mask and be at a theme park. So this is not... It was not, rough. It doesn't it was, have to yeah, be it was a, uncomfortable. A, it's not a political statement. I don't want to be at Disney World and wearing a mask. I don't want to be at Universal and wearing a mask. So if yep. the choice is being at Disney with a mask on and being Universal without one, I'm going to Universal. The uh, conversation that we had kind of leading up to this was, all right, let's hope that they get rid of masks outdoors. This is, you know, a couple months out. Uh, and then, then once they did that, I was like, all right, that should be manageable. All right, now let's hope that they get rid of them indoors. And I'll tell you, it was it was hot as hell first few days of my trip. And it was hot as hell uh, the last day of the trip when I had to wear a mask. And Ben can certainly attest to that as well. It was not comfortable. I found it interesting with some of the stuff, though, of like what they considered the threshold of indoors and outdoors. That is interesting. What is a porch? At, what is the what's the porch so policy? What they did was as you post as you crossed the sign for the where the wait time or the yeah. fast pass return line is, that was considered inside. Like the official uh, queue was considered yep. inside. And so okay. that's fine with something that has a fully indoor queue. The first attraction that we did wearing a mask was Expedition Everest with a forty five minute wait. Yeah, that's that a lot queue rough. is ninety percent outside. Mm -hmm. The entire time. Yet we had to have the mask on as we crossed that first threshold and keep it on the entire time. Uh, I mean, so, so I, I, I object that is very poor management at Disney's part because when you have nonsense, when you enforce rules nonsensically, you are undermining your ability to enforce them. Right. You, you just can't do that. If you're, if the rule, if what you're doing makes no fucking sense at all, 
you you're, you have to expect to be called on that. If, yeah. if, if what protects people is wearing them inside, and that's the argument you're going with, and I'm not saying I believe that or not. I'm just saying if that is the, the mindset, that they've set, that, yeah. right, that is the basis upon which this rule is based, then if the way you enforce it has no nexus to that whatsoever, then even someone with an IQ of 91 is going to look at you and go, this doesn't make any sense. And keep in mind, like in that queue, we were not socially distanced whatsoever. No. So we're wearing a mask the entire time. And the entire time they're saying, keep moving forward, stay with your party, pack in all the space. <laughs> so there was a lot of times you're just kind of sitting there going, none of this makes sense. really makes sense. It's yeah. a lot for show. Uh, mm-hmm. I kept arguing, yeah. <laughs> the joke I kept making with Tim was uh, the, these requirements they had you know, we, we, we had to pack in the entire stretching room of the Haunted Mansion, but I can't get my own toppings at the fixings bar yeah. at Pecos Bills. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, you know, why? <laughs> so, I think there's a matter of uh, it, the term that I love to use is administrative convenience, that you got to define it somehow. And I'm not excusing the the flawed logic here, but by using the attraction threshold as the barrier for, quote, indoors, outdoors, it allows any of those extended queues to not be deemed as uh, an area where you need to wear a mask. And that is, I think, the the simplified approach that they're taking. I'm not saying that it's the, no, it, the best the other, course of action, but it's, if, it, if it's company, a course of action. If the company's motive here is to be praised for making a prudent decision, then they, they mm-hmm. need to make the decision prudently. And yeah. it, it, it seems like they want the best of both worlds. They're being lazy. <laughs> they're implementing a you know, poorly conceived rule that hasn't been yeah. thought out that, that that lacks any nuance that is specific to, it's not like they don't know what their property looks like. They built right, this place. Yeah. They operate this place. They need to, they need to look at each space and either make a rule that says you got to wear the mask culture on your property. And, I think that would suck. I don't want to do that, but that, that would at least accomplish a goal. But if they're going to say indoors versus outdoor, they need to define that in yeah. a way that actually makes and, some and, sense. And to be clear, like, myself and my family, we were not against having to wear the mask. When they said the policy was coming through, like, all right, just make sure we have our masks as we uh, leave the room every day and we'll go with them. But at least 50% of the time while I was wearing that mask, I was questioning myself in my head, why am I wearing this mask (laughs) in this spot? Uh, If you were looking for an empirical answer, you were barking up the wrong tree. That's for sure. Like uh, something like the Pirates of the Caribbean, where, you know, these lines were long. There there, there were no short lines uh, at Disney for anything. Uh, And so they were using the entire Pirates Plaza, which is all outdoors. And you had to wear your mask that entire time. I didn't get like out there. It makes sense. You can pull your mask down. And as you enter the building for the rest of the queue, get that mask on. Uh, So it was just it it was a lot of baffling decisions on a lot of that stuff for me. Uh, Yeah. Again, it's something like, geez, I couldn't. I'm glad we didn't wait two hours for. Um, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, something that's in the sun outdoors that entire time. And those people were just baking, wearing their masks the entire time outside. It's like when you were a little kid and you said, why is my bedtime nine o'clock? And your parents would say, because I said so. Like This is a because I said so policy. The the announcement was indoors, uh, on attractions, in line for attractions. I think the the biggest... that's a little different. The biggest vague... Uh, part uh, the most vague part of that is in line for attractions, and I think that's where the confusion set in because there are absolutely queues like Everest, like uh, like basically everything in the Animal Kingdom uh, that has an indoor and outdoor component, but you are still in line. And I think that that I would side with them on the wording. I still think it yeah. doesn't make any sense at all, but I would say that but at, at least, least yeah, I mean, if I think we're the parsing the words, is, then 
I think the logic is that in a line you are closer uh, regardless of being indoors or outdoors and uh, anyway, we can we can go over the minutiae of this uh, for three hours, oh, and I don't think it's going to do, be interesting. Let's do. What else? Yeah. Y'all got something else going on tonight? I got I three do. hours. We got, <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to hit. Next one on my list is uh, the Jungle Cruise updates. We uh, both experienced multiple versions of Jungle Cruise uh, over the course of the trip. Uh, I know it's obviously uh, Skipper Ben's, uh, one of his favorites. It's certainly a Grassy family favorite as well. I didn't write it. Um, I had, uh, I had one and a half good skippers. I, I, I really, I had two good skippers. Well, how do you have half of a good skipper? I think I mean, we need like, to. So, so, we'll one, get to it. Yep. <laughs> so I had two, uh, I had back-to-back skipper Emily's. Uh, first one was excellent. Second one was pretty good. And the third one, uh, was a, a trip that I did with Ben and his family. And, uh, it was Charlie Brown's teacher. It was pretty atrocious. I have so no the, idea what this woman's name was. I, I'm guessing it was the same deal. Uh, my that first trip like was two good skippers and one bad one. Yeah, I'm still right, confused fair. about your math. Okay. My <laughs> first skipper was really, really good. My last skipper was really good. The middle one that had the trip with Tim, they weren't a bad skipper. Yeah. She had I, the enthusiasm. We just couldn't hear her. But, I, mean, I, I, I don't know about your first two, Tim, but my first skipper did not have a mask on. This was pre-mask policy going in. So they were still behind the divider, but no mask on. I believe the that's trip, correct. Yeah. The trip that we took was like the, was that the first or second whoa, day? Whoa, whoa, that whoa. The, Back up. So you're telling me now they have to wear a mask and be behind a divider? Yes. The divider's been there, I think, <laughs> since <stupid>. reopened. <laughs> so That's so stupid. I'm sorry. The, is- the issue that we had with our skipper, though, that she had the mask on and then had the microphone pressed against her lips. So <laughs> the microphones aren't great, and then it was going like through a coffee filter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it just came out as a mumbled mess. Nobody on the boat got her could understand a damn thing she was saying. She had, she was enthusiastic. I'm sure her jokes were great, but we just could not hear her. And I think it might have been more because they were still getting used to having the mask back on and trying yeah. to do their jokes uh, that way. The That's good like thing having is- a Skype call and wearing a mask. I mean, <laughs> I don't, it just doesn't make any sense. You guys aren't wearing masks right now? I am. I am. You I'm actually – I'm wearing a condom too just to be doubly sure. <laughs> um. But to that point, on that ride, I think that was your first time riding it with the two new chimpanzee scenes. So there was at least something brand new for a ride that you've done a thousand times to uh, to experience, despite the uh, the poor skipper. So yeah, my my first trip did not have the chimpanzee scenes. We had everything. Yeah. It had the uh, the new safari, uh, uh, the 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 second rule of the jungle scene. Yeah, and, and the. Trader Sam's gift shop and the boat rentals that was all there. Uh, but yeah, the our trip together was the first with the chimps, and then we rode it again a couple days later and had a fantastic skipper. Good, and saw those chimps again. And I gotta say, I really like those two scenes. Uh, I liked everything. Uh, just the the other scenes, the Trader Sam's, the boat rentals. There's nothing going on there. Uh, it's just nice scenery. But the the chimp scenes were cool, uh, yeah. and and you said it best when we got off it. That we were both surprised by how much movement we saw in the chimpanzees' audio animatronics. Uh, they were we didn't lifelike. See them on they, day two, so <laughs> true. But they were fun. They were yeah, they were yeah. they were really really cool, well done scenes. And that goes back to what we were saying the first time uh, this news came out that they were going to update it. We said as long as the scenes were. Uh, they invested into the scenes and actually did them well and, and put money into them. We'd be fine with it, and that's what they did. Yeah. In these instances, these are not 
uh, little cheap thrown together scenes with really cheap audio animatronics. These things look cool. Uh, they, they did a good job and, and, and I was impressed with it. Uh, the rock audio animatronic though, at the very end was <laughs> the, the best, uh, very lifelike and uh, a lot of muscles, really big muscles. I think I could take him in a fight actually. Probably. <laughs> Nolan Ryan could. Yes, he absolutely uh, could. That's baseball a joke uh, for, ju- for score the song. That's a joke that nobody will get because we said it before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the one time I make a sports joke that lands. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a big fan of what they did there. The the jokes that accompanied some of those, and I don't know what the staples are going to be, but I heard a couple of decent ones. Um, one of which was uh, approaching the lost safari and. Uh, uh, Skipper said, do you see that safari? No, neither do I. And uh, we're going to keep it that way because that's a lot of paperwork for me to have to do. And I just thought that was funny. Um, there, there are a couple of – I mean, that's the level of humor that you get on Jungle Cruise. So anytime you hear a new joke on the ride, uh, you can't help but laugh if you've been on uh, yeah. been on it as many times as we have. So and the, that, the, uh, that- the one that I had with the, uh, the chimpanzees taking over the boat – the the skipper said he's got a microphone. Let's listen in to hear what he's saying. It's like see if see if his jokes are better than mine. And uh, so we're all quiet. We listen in, and then halfway, you know, as you're passing it, the skipper started scolding him about the language he was using and apologizing <laughs> to the boat. Like I don't know where he learned those words. Uh, I thought that was that was quite funny. Good. See, Good. I, I think what Tim just said really kind of hits the nail on the head as far as why these changes ended up being much better than I think a lot of people feared, including me. It's the skippers that make that ride. Period. Oh, absolutely. And if you can change – now, granted, there's some uh, – well, based on talking to Ben, there's – I'm not completely clear as to how much ad-libbing can be done, but it seems like there is some amount of it. Granted, a lot of it's anchored in pre-written scripts. But still, if you change the scenery, you open up the door to new jokes. And that one's good. that's – for people who never wrote it before, they're not going to care about a change. And for people who have written it a thousand times, those kinds of changes make it fresh. So I think this is probably going to go down as being – this is not demolishing Horizon to build no. a Gravitron. This is uh, honestly just sort of probably doing a good thing for that attraction. And, and to clarify for Josh, there is a ton of ad-libbing that goes on. It just depends on the time of day when management's yeah. <laughs> there and management's not around and gotcha. how comfortable a skipper is uh, with doing those things. So earlier in the day, a lot more sticking to the script. Later at night when management's not there, it's a lot more free-flowing uh, free with the jokes. That's been 100% consistent with yes. my overall quality of ride experience, too. I can't recommend it enough. Jungle Cruise is a nighttime attraction. Yeah, that should be the last attraction you do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, the takeaway that I have from this, they did an update to Disneyland uh, several years ago, and it just improved it with the uh, addition of the Piranha scene was the primary big addition. This feels like something like that, where it wasn't it wasn't exclusively motivated from a cultural sensitivity or insensitivity standpoint, um, but that is what they removed, and the updates seem to be befitting of the attraction. Uh, I think the not as bad as we feared uh, uh, comment transitions well enough into the uh, things we're not allowed to call annual passes, but are secretly annual passes over in Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah. There was fear that you're going to have like, you can get 20 days and that's it. And really what it came down to is they called it something different and they stripped out parking and those are the primary things other than the, the top tier annual pass. I don't know if you guys took a look at these that closely. So, I mean, it's taking se- out par- – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that it, it seems to me that a big part of what Disney is doing right now is taking offerings that they already have and have been making available for years, mm-hmm. renaming them 
and then converting them from something that was quote unquote free to something that is a upcharge. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're really going to get it into it on this show, but you know, the, the proposal of what is going to replace my magic plus at Disney world, basically yeah. a, you know, a pay for fast pass type situation that it's, it's just, it's very clear that there's a sort of a wave sweeping through management, that this is something that they have decided they're going to do. Um, and it's, well, I don't, I don't know how effective it is to just, you, you know, say that's not a turtle. We're going to call it a, a frumpkin from now on. Or like <laughs> we're all just supposed to pretend that that's not a turtle. Um, I, I don't know. I, that, the sort of thing, I guess, is banking on the short memories of people, which is probably <laughs> a smart bet to make, quite honestly. But, uh, I think the transition is going to be a little bumpy. The, you, you mentioned the pay for play fast pass and that was introduced in Paris, uh, within yep. the last week. And, we we didn't quite experience this, uh, Ben and myself, but we were uh, about to get in line for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and I don't know if it was a manager that you encountered, Ben, but you you said, uh, would my friend Mr. Washington get us in any quicker? And, <laughs> yes, and, yes. and the, guy, the guy looks at you and says, you're going to have to find your friend Ulysses, and we're not really that far <laughs> off from that. So. That's actually, you know what, good good on him. That's a great comeback. I love it. They, they all got a pretty good joke out of that. There were, there yeah. were several cast members around. and <laughs> That yeah. is pretty great I, yeah. I, I appreciate that if you're gonna shake me down at least make me laugh <laughs> <laughs> but to that point uh, we are looking at anywhere between eight and seventeen dollars for a uh, for a fast pass for the I guess almost immediate access is what it seemed like in Paris and that's not really far off from the price point that was just proposed at um, at Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I don't know if you're pulling uh, 50s out of your wallet or not or if you can do it digitally so it doesn't seem like you're spending money but I will tell you, uh, I, love, that, I love I love how you just phrased that. But you it's know, you know an app, so it's not real money. Well, that's exactly what their motivation was, though. That was yep. the Magic Band motivation. That was yep. the uh, idea to make it easier to separate you from your money without actually like. That's what Starbucks. I realized I bought a car at Starbucks last year without even knowing it. <laughs> but the psychology of it, uh, pulling out your wallet is something. Taking your credit card out is something. That's all psychological. But tapping your wrist against a reader uh, yep. is is totally different. But to that point, the um, uh, the fast pass price point that they put out there is still substantially more per minute of savings than even the exorbitant prices that Universal charges for their every uh, uh, every ride all at once uh, express pass. Yeah. So well, except that. The capacity problems that Disney's facing right now are largely a function of the fact that My Magic Plus decreased the throughput of every Omnimover and a lot of other rides too. I mean, rides like Spaceship Earth that don't really need it. It's like Disney created this. I was going to make a disease and cure analogy, which is probably not great right now, but like <laughs> Disney created this problem. They increased wait times and now they're going to sell a reduction in it, which is yep. to me. And look, I'm the capitalist of the group, right? <laughs> can we can we be clear that it didn't decrease the throughput of the attraction itself? It decreased the amount of people that were accessing the standby line? Uh, because I, the attraction I, I, is still functioning the same speed. I want to phrase the, it differently. It okay. decreased the apparent throughput for the typical guest. Okay. I I, I – I think that's – do you think that's fair? I think that for most people who are not doing Disney podcasts, who are there for their first vacation, if they had gone prior to My Magic so, Plus versus now, if you were to control for changes in – I'm not talking about Busy Day versus not. Yeah. I think that the experience of hitting an overwhelming number of attractions at these parks is worse now because of My Magic Plus. 
so there's a couple of things, and this goes into something that Ben and I experienced on the trip. Uh, every wait time was spilling out into the uh, into the walking areas. Mm-hmm. I, w- I got into what was labeled a 45-minute wait for Thunder Mountain, and I got in line on the waterfront uh, walking path by Country yeah. Bear Jamboree. It was backed up that far. Which and is I- ironic because the real capacity problem that the parks has is that. The, the attractions are supposed to swallow people to take them out of those areas. And what you're talking about is the exact but, opposite of that. Well, so, so let me, let me finish the story. Fa- yeah, yeah. So, so that queue was kind of uh, rebuilt a few years ago and yeah. is dedicated to fast pass largely. So there's very little of the queue that is under that covered area. Right. That is uh, that is approaching the load area. I waited 32 minutes for the ride, and my I got in line outside of Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, <laughs> anecdotally, most rides were probably 50 to 75 percent of the posted wait time, with the exception of like your major new headliners like Flight of Passage, um, Smuggler's Run, Slinky Dog, those sorts of things. But what was happening is the Fast Pass line made up 80 percent uh 70 to 80 percent of the uh hourly capacity of an attraction so the indoor the the quote-unquote cues the areas that you got to wear a mask um are only 20 percent of the people that are getting on a ride in any given hour for the most part so that's why everything is backed up because everybody is using that standby line and to, to Josh's point, I think this is what you're trying to say, is that you've got people, the average wait time when you factor in what the fast pass people were waiting and what the standby people were waiting is going to be about the same. But when you've got 80% of the people waiting five minutes and 20% of the people waiting an hour, if you take right. that out, you've got a much lower wait time for for all of the standby people and a slightly longer wait time for the fast pass people. And that's that's a problem that I think... There was there was some bad things about this trip not having fast pass available but at the same time it was great because every line moved uh, no matter what line you got into it moved I waited two and a half hours for flight of passage and that was my own sadistic self knowingly getting into <laughs> that line but at the same time I think a theater was down and that line still moved far more consistently than it ever did during the days of fast pass. So let, let me throw this out to both of you. If you could Thanos style snap your fingers and go back to a time where there Santos was... is Thanos's younger brother, less successful yeah. but equally as villainous. Continue. Did I pronounce it wrong? Thanos. Damn. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> is Santos a thermos company or a grill company? I, know I, think, I, I think they make thermoses. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Instead I of a gauntlet, I... he's got a thermos that he puts that he puts rocks in. <laughs> I'm a big fan of efficiency. Yep. Anyway, I, thank you for correcting me. Uh, this <laughs> is why I, do. I don't. This is why I don't try to make uh, you know pop culture references or sports references. Well, you've nailed none of every single one so far. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't patronize me, buddy. Um, in any event, if you could make it to where we went back to a time where the um, the theme park experience was more spontaneous, without the planning, without the fast pass, w- would you do that? Do you think that that would be better overall? For a greater number of guests than what we have today. For a greater number of guests, yes. But for some of us who know how to actually like use the system, I still liked the benefit of having, you know, booking some fast passes or being able to go get fast passes day of. Yeah. For attractions. So, so what I'm hearing you saying is that you like the new rules because you're better equipped to cheat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, we we know it. We knew the system as good as anybody, other than the people that maybe created it, and in some cases, maybe even better than that. But your average, of, I think, quite frankly, a lot of times better than the people that created it. If <laughs> they understood a- it as well as you did, they would have fixed the loophole you were using. 
Well, I mean, I, I was talking with uh, with Ben's wife about this, where uh, as I don't want to get uh, too into detail, but I think you've said that your um, that your wife is a, a travel agent, and she had uh, basically anybody that she booked a vacation for, she had them as their friends on the My Disney Experience app, and when you have you know more than twenty people as friends in My Disney Experience, it uh, it cripples the system, and you you really are wildly yep. ineffective in it. But what you can do back in the day is you could stash. Uh, fast passes under other people and effectively swap into them. So you could more or less have unlimited access to fast passes back in the day. And will, that was just will, one of many loopholes. I will say one thing. We never did that. Uh, we She had those groups because we would actually help book their fast passes for them like while they were on the trip. Because mm-hmm. people didn't know how to use the system. They would be so clueless when they get out there. They They wouldn't know how to do it. So we would have them in the system and I would be sitting at work in my office booking their next fast pass for them because they were just so confused by how to do it and how or how to do it the most efficient way possible. So uh, beyond that's what gaming, I, go ahead. Go beyond ahead. Uh, beyond gaming the system though, the execution of Max Pass uh, yeah. they they restricted a lot of the loopholes for it, and it was still an excellent tool mm-hmm. where it was just. Uh, day of fast pass bookings on the mobile app, which is what I was originally hoping for when uh, my Disney experience first rolled out. And the few trips that I had in Disneyland with Max Pass were amongst the least stressful, most productive yep. Disney trips I've ever had, uh, more so than anything in Disney World. So for me, that is kind of the ideal scenario. But even that preyed on the familiarity. And mm-hmm. it's not a situation where I was at a an advantage knowing the, uh, the the tips and tricks. I was on the same playing field. I just happened to be more educated about that playing field. Whereas with the old fast pass exploits, uh, you could you could legitimately game the system. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, I gotta say the way they have this paid fast pass set up in in Paris, I I haven't wanted something to fail this bad. Yeah, since they yeah. put since they put fast passes at Muppets and we were uh, able to get those removed back in uh, the early two thousands, uh, this thing sabotage. Yeah, uh, I, I, I the nickel and diming of Disney is just killing yeah. me right now. I'm not against paid fast pass at all. I just don't want to have to do it in a tiered system where each one is a different price, and I've got to spend part of my day justifying which one I want to do at what price point. How much is this adding up? Give me a flat rate. Give me give me max pass, but make it five times what Disneyland's. I would rather have that so I could budget it from the get go yeah. if I want it, and just go. God damn it, I'm gonna have to pay another eight hundred dollars for this trip. But you know what? Let's just do it and be done with it, and I can go and enjoy my trip. The we talked about it. I guess um, it might have been with you, Tim, or uh, I think we talked about it on there. It's it's equivalent to uh, buying alcohol on a cruise ship. Yep. That like the first one that you buy, it's fifteen dollars. You're like, all right, cool. You buy the second one, all right, we're at thirty. You're on day five of the trip and you're going, God damn, how many drinks have I had? What am I up to now? They're fifteen dollars a, a pop. I don't want to it sucks. So I yeah. uh, that's the last thing I want to do. That will make a Disney trip absolutely suck to me. If I'm sitting there halfway through Thank going, you. What am I at now on these fast passes? Whereas if you just tell me up front, add a thousand bucks to your your 10-day park hopper if you want fast pass. I'm going to sit there and go, that sucks, but you know what? If we want it, let's just budget it and get it done and, and go. And, and that is the exact problem, is that if we boil this down to the kindergartner level, what Disney sells is fun. Mm-hmm. That is what made the company what it is, fun. 
and they are becoming very unfun. Yep. People like to go to Disney because it is an escape from paying bills. It's escape from doing accounting. It's escape from doing their job. And they're making it a bill-paying accounting job. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that made that made me laugh inside <laughs> and outside. Um, I just don't. I just don't think they're doing this right. Well, and. and- Oh, go ahead. Go. Sorry. I, I think that there. The, the problem is that, and I, I might use this term wrong. It's always one that I've misquoted. But I think attendance and revenue is a trailing indicator of their decisions. I think that's right. And if I'm using the term correctly, what it means is that you know if Disney's making X and they change a policy and then they make more, they're going to conclude that well, changing this policy was good. And I don't think it works that way necessarily. I, I think no. what they're re- they're really doing is they are burning a lot of goodwill that they yep. built during our parents' generation. Yep. And the question that no one probably can answer really is why do all the people that go to the parks go to the parks? And a lot of it has to do with the memories. Nobody that were- in charge can answer those questions. I guarantee Mm-mm. that. I think right. there are well, some creatives that can answer it. That's a huge problem. Yeah, yep. and I know a few of them, and I talked to them online, and they, I could tell you that the Imagineering guys, there's two in particular that I talked to, and none of them have ever said anything that really flies in the face of what I consider to be my sensibilities as to what a Disney park is. And they seem to be as frustrated as I am, if not more, probably more, uh, you know, about a lot of the decisions that have made. But the point is, you know, when, when the, when the guests that are, when the children that are going to the parks now, in 25, 30 years, have kids of their own, are they going to be willing to put up with all this shit in order to, to have a Disney vacation? And I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe the kids well, are insulated enough from it to where they won't have the, the here, baggage, but I, I don't know. It just seems to me that Disney's not really doing a good job of leveraging the things that have historically worked well for them. Here's where the problem is, though, with that, Josh, that – and it all goes back to the greedy bastards that are running this company right now. That they they, uh-huh. they they are all bottom line driven. How can we maximize profits across the board? What they're going to have a problem with is 30 years from now, they're going to have adults that aren't connected to the parks at all because the parents right now are, can't afford to go to the parks anymore. My parents, yeah. we could go every year, every other year because it was a reasonably priced trip. Right. There is nothing reasonably priced about a Disney trip anymore. And you're just going to start seeing that the, 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 you know, I, obviously we do a podcast about Disney. We are not the normal guest. Anything. We're not normal in any. Right. Any but if, you're not making six figures, if you're not making six figures, your family of four isn't going. That's and what it comes down that's, to. And, and, and 30 and years is, from now, that's going to be a huge problem because there's we have those connections. We see those things that we love. We are, we're revisiting our childhood every time we go. But if kids don't go in their childhood, there is no childhood to revisit when they're our age looking at vacations for their kids and their families. I have never in my life known what the medium – medium, medium. Now I can't use words. <laughs> I – I never really knew what the median income in the U.S. was. I looked it up about a year ago because of the price hikes that Disney was constantly doing. And I know what I make, and I know what that median income number is, and I have zero kids. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how people who have normal jobs and a kid or two or three or four can ever go to Disney. 
without just putting it on a credit card or something. I don't understand <laughs> it because I can't really afford to do it. It's terribly expensive. I mean, it's just, it is a lot of money. And I've just, I, I think you're right, Ben. I think you said it well. I, I never even thought of that. It's just what is the level of exposure of the current generation of kids going to be compared to what we had? And maybe Disney is discounting the value of that. The fact that you can turn a 10-year-old into someone who in 20 years or 25, 30 years is going to be doing a podcast about your company. Yep. That's valuable. They, they won me over at eight years old. Yeah. They, they had my money for the rest of my life at eight. But as so you got a kiss from Cinderella, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> Peter, Peter Pan. But, okay. uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Too much information there. Bell side uh, boob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 I just wonder what this company will be like that far down the line. And on it, I don't think the current leadership thinks about that at all. I think, and they don't need to, do they? They don't. There's he knows he's not going to be part of this company. Then he doesn't yeah. care. He's going to cash out and and be gone. And he's going to be not, 84 years old with 10 billion dollars and yeah, a 19 year old of, girlfriend and a yacht. I don't trust that any of these people care about the legacy of the company. None of them are attached to the company because of what Walt did anymore. These guys that are in charge. I don't want to say their, none. That's I, well, too. I, I'm, I'm saying that. I don't know. I read Bob Iger's book. There's nothing in there that makes me think that he, he, What's you know, one guy, I, I, but that's what I'm talking about. Current leadership, the guys that are in charge right now, the, the Igers, the Chapex. I, I think Eisner definitely had that connection back to Walt, but I think once he left, that was gone. I well, I, I, I was two people. <laughs> we true, have to remember true. that. The pre, <laughs> yes. pre, yeah, first first round of Eisner was much more like that. Disney uh, Wars should have been two books. But this, yeah, true. The the current leadership right now, the ones that are making these decisions, the ones that are thinking that a you know different price point fast pass system is a good idea, the ones that are thinking about, hey, let's take away parking for three of the four tiers of AP annual passes out in California. Uh, yeah, that's insane. That's crazy. That's that entirely kills the value proposition of an exactly. Pass. It does, and again, unless that is their plan, it, do they? I think it absolutely is. Well, then I think then so. It's brilliant. The, so I guess there's, like, a, there's a couple of things here. Caveat: <laughs> I, I've let you two fight it out. Although we're all on the same team, here. the um, fighting the, with agreement. <laughs> the, the I so agree with thing. you, Josh. Yeah! <laughs> we're gonna hug I, this I through. I had a client come in yesterday, and he said he asked me, knowing that I'm a big Disney fan, how come he's not going to get a free bus ride from the airport to Disney property? Mm -hmm. And I, <laughs> yeah. I and and I pointedly said to him, it's because they used to have the mindset of uh, trapping people on property as a means of uh, part of their business strategy, where by creating these things that were built into the costs, but not nickel and dimed as part of your charges, uh, you could stay on property longer. It's why when they introduced the Magic Your Way tickets, each additional day after five was like two or three dollars. These are all Eisner era things that were proposed and have since been stripped down. Um, you talk about the nickel and diming of the one-off fast passes, uh, yet Disney has also with with my Disney experience, they were looking at kind of forging the cruise ship model. And the Disney Cruise Line is more or less an all-inclusive cruise line. Yeah. And now they're looking at each thing and, hey, we were doing this as a giveaway for free. This was value to the people. And we may have built it into the cost of their ticket. But now uh, we're just going to charge for it. And right. I, I recall uh, we were talking about ideas of what to do to Epcot when it's in the middle of uh, its uh, – 
rebuilding and I had suggested opening up World Showcase and just have it be a food festival. And I think Josh, your response was, I love that idea, but how about we charge for the entry as well? And that's kind of the, the, the thought process that they're taking here. I thought I might get a they, call, but I, no job offers the, were forthcoming. The expectation of value is is now gone. Um, but that, but to I, that don't point... Don't you think that's a huge problem, though? Oh, it absolutely yes. is. It absolutely is. But... Ben, to your point, and I, I haven't brought my daughter here, uh, to your daughters, at this point, I imagine these changes are probably transparent to them. They don't know that mom and dad are footing a, uh, footing a little bit bigger bill no, to make this vacation happen. They do know because I have to point that out to them now, that we can't do everything they want to do like, okay. oh, that's like they used to because uh, – and. and I had like after like day five, I I still have not totaled up what I spent on this trip, and I don't want to. That's how bad <laughs> nobody it was. Ever, nobody ever does. So, but at some point when they're like, "I want to do this, I want to do that," I'd be like, "Girls, we just spent two hundred dollars to build robots. We can't yeah. go eat at Sci-Fi because that's another hundred dollar bill. We can't well, go do this. We can't to, go do to that." To be fair, Walt always said that the key to a fun family outing <laughs> is the necessity for a spreadsheet. <laughs> but that's I guess that's part of the problem also is is there all these additional add-ons. Uh if you're an mm-hmm. AP in California, hey, you got to pay for the parking now. Well, that's I'm going to have to budget that into what I'm going to spend within the park that day because that sucks every time I go there, I've got to pay for parking now. Or now that there's paid fast pass, you know, if they bring that over to the to, to Florida and it's a tiered system, I got to budget which ones I'm going to have to take away other things. The problem I see is like nothing in those parks is cheap anymore. Like when is no. enough enough? Uh, I just referenced right. the robots. We we spent $200 to build two robots. The experience was great. The robots are really cool. But that place had no reservations the entire time I was there. And it had a constant 100, uh, an hour and a half wait outside that building the entire time. So each here's one the of those. Can I interrupt you? One, yeah. Because I, I just have to respond to that. This is the problem. Is that, and we've talked about this before, but like price elasticity, you have these people that instead of being artists, instead of being storytellers, instead of people that grew up in the parks, they're Mm -hmm. accountants, they're Mm -hmm. economists, Mm -hmm. they're people who are trying to figure out what the market will bear. And they keep jacking up the prices more and more and more and more. And despite that, there's more people that want to do it. So yep. what yep. are they going to do? Until that changes. Until so, I mean, that changes. Wh- the trend is not going to reverse. I guarantee you. So That's here- why Disneyland can get away with cutting the parking from it. Because yeah. they Disney views the annual pass problem at Disneyland as a problem. Yeah, exactly. And it really – I mean – you need to find a way to – this is probably what the solution was. How can we get more money out of these people? Because they're treating this as a strip mall that they hang out at for yes. four hours and they spend $17 tops on any given day. So let's make sure we get $25 from the minimum. In 1982, this was, like, this was like a, a video arcade or a pinball so, place. Right. Like, I agree 100%. Here's my proposal to you, and I'm going to pull an old Derek Bergen trick and do a wrestling reference to Tim that I know he loves. Uh they always say, you know, in the wrestling, if you don't like the storylines, you don't like what's going on, don't go to the shows. If there's no mm-hmm. butts in the seats, then they'll make that change. I don't know if that's ever going to, you know, with Disney, I do think that there is a certain price point where they're, the, the casual fans will stop going. And I do think they'll see a dip in that. I think the diehards will still keep going uh, for a while. But I, I don't know if we can trust the guests to cause this change. But. 
You can because they're not creating any diehards by what they're doing. So here's here's but you got to wait a generation. That's I the think there's I think there's something that could help speed that along a little bit, and it's a theme park that's right down the street. If I oh, yeah. if I'm Universal, I'm sitting in the weeds waiting for Disney to announce everything. Let us see your game plan. And then give them seven years notice. So. Let's undercut the shit out of it after that. Yeah. If, I actually if, think if they're I'm, doing something totally different. I think they're being extremely proactive. Who, Universal? Yeah. With what? I, I think that they're outpacing Disney at every turn. So I, I, I think that there, but I think the one thing that they're following kind of step by step is the price points and some of the costs. I think yeah. I think if they figured out a way to give people what they're not getting at Disney anymore at a better price, my campaigns, my commercials on TV would just be Universal Studios Florida, a vacation you can actually afford. And people <laughs> that would get people to go, holy shit, I can do so much more there. The, the, the first thing they do is like the Express Pass. If you stay at a certain level, you get that Express Pass for free. Yeah. And people love that. We book so many Universal Resorts through through Lisa's business because of that reason right there. So if Disney goes to a side that you're going to pay for every Fast Pass experience you get, Universal needs to go out there and be like, dude, stay at one of our hotels and you get what Disney's charging you X number of dollars for for free for coming here. Oh, by the way, we have a new theme park. And oh, by the way, we have expansion plot for a fourth theme park. And we have a water park. And we have this and that. Uh, you know, the the one thing that came out today that we're going to get to, I'm sure, here in a little bit, was the Star Wars Galactic uh, Star Cruiser and the prices with that. If I'm Universal, I'm sitting there going, holy shit, that's expensive. How do we get our Harry Potter hotel up and going for half that price with more experiences? Yeah. And it's easy, I, you know, because Disney Disney is pulling these prices out of their ass. The, uh, uh, build your own lightsaber. That lightsaber, what cost them maybe twenty five bucks, and they're going, let's do two hundred dollars. You know, they're, just, I'm, they're making this shit up. So I'm Universal can that. make that up. I'm fine with that. I this is, I think the reason I love the show, I'll never quit the show I'm because done. I hate what Disney is doing. <laughs> But at the same time, I absolutely believe in capitalism and, and profit. I don't – I'm not one of these people that thinks that if you make a billion dollars that you're too rich and that's somehow empirically immoral. The problem I have is that I don't think the company's actually delivering the value anymore. That's the problem. And exactly. There's two ways to grow. You can do it in a sort of legitimate, organic way where you provide more value and people pay you more or you can – Leverage what you earned in the past in order to squeeze as much as you can out of people in a mafia-style kind of attack. And I, I think that's where that we're That was at. the approach for 10 years of Iger, I think. And I, I think agree. I totally agree. I think they've realized uh, Universal taught them a lesson already when they opened the first Wizarding World of Harry Potter, that the theme park markets are not mature, that there is more money to not be squeezed out of the existing content, but finally building things. Very well and said. we were – we were in a uh, building boon, boon, boom, either way. It's boon. Uh, um, for a good five Wait, years. Is it boon? Fuck, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, from 2017 to 2022, they built more rides uh, than any six-year stretch in history, to my knowledge. Maybe the opening of Epcot would be the exclusion, but you got to go back to 1971 for uh, the opening of the Magic Kingdom. They hadn't done that with the existing parks that they had. They just built a ton of stuff, but it was all playing catch-up because they didn't do anything for the 10 years prior. Exactly. And 
to to your point about value here, uh, I haven't stayed on property at Disney World in nine years. I've stayed on property at Universal three times, and each of those times were amongst the only times that I visited Universal. When I go over to Universal, I stay on property. They're getting more of my dollar. Excuse me. Uh, whereas my see, cost per day at Disney is significantly cheaper because I don't see the valuation in staying on property there. This is the message um, that the management team needs to hear. Yeah. You are and spouting the truth that they care about right now. So we can still go. We can still get the valuation. And that's the problem that they're having in Disneyland as well, where these people aren't staying on property. They're getting uh, – I did a case study back in 2004 dating myself in college. But, uh, you dated yourself? Looking, did I you did put date out? myself se- several times actually. <laughs> um, very handsy. But the, you did have a strong handshake. Third base uh, on the fourth the date. Time, Way to go, buddy. I don't know the exact number, but basically it was what do you get per guest per day? And that's a difficult measure. And Ben just said it when he says he doesn't know what he spent on the vacation. And I've asked people that question in the heels of their vacation as well. They don't know how much they spent. They know what the hotel costs. They know what the tickets cost. But they're spending money on merchandise. They're spending money on food. They have no idea uh, unless they put a a spreadsheet together. And for me, the last time I did that was when I went to Japan. I didn't know if I told you guys. Liar. I did go to Japan. Mm But but I'm all a, in. I'm a spreadsheet. I, you know what? I've I've made fun of you and your spreadsheets for years. But the truth is, I do a spreadsheet for almost every. Anytime I know I'm spending money, I do it. I I, I don't do it on a Disney trip. I do for the most part because I don't want to know the answers <laughs> in a lot of cases. Yeah. But but even to that point, back in 2004, the case study was the average guest is spending 200 to 250 dollars. How do we increase that? And the. Uh, the approach was, do you increase the amount that guests are spending or do you increase the number of guests that are going there giving you that average? And Well, that's a, I, that's a self-answering question if you don't expand the amount of space that people can occupy. Right. So there, there's a whole bunch of things at play here. We're already an hour into this episode and Ben and I haven't talked about our trip yet. It's like my Japan trip report all over again. I feel like this is going to be – if you're on a road trip right now and you you're like love this, this, this podcast, this yep. is going to be yeah. the one for you. Yeah. So uh, I want to go into uh, – unless you guys had more commentary on that. I just uh, from a value I, proposition I, I, I had one question on there. And again, this kind of goes on something I pointed out again. And I've seen those reports on what they spend per day. But at what point is what they spend per day – you know, I, I get that. But I would like to see you know, if they put a little bit more value on what they spend over like – their lifetime. I I, lifetime. That's exact. That's. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if that sounded stupid or not to say no, it that. It way. No, it doesn't sound stupid. That is what yeah. you want to know. <laughs> yeah, I, yep. I want somebody who's going to come back year after year, as opposed to somebody who's going to come back seven days and spend. You go Correct. seven days and spend two fifty each day, and not go like I'm not going back because that was too much. Look, I'd yeah, say, any Tucker can spend twenty grand once. I'll try yeah. it. My friend Mac, who you know, if you've listened to Kingdom Cast, you know who he is. Um, you know, he, he's a big Disney fan, <laughs> great guy, and he Man. came and visited me. We went to Holiday a Holiday World, and where they give away drinks, and where they're just absolutely not into nickel and diming you. You pay for the ticket, mm-hmm. and their goal – it's a regional park in Indiana, and the experience, the takeaway I, – I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I wish you were here to say it, but it is kind of a remarkable experience, and they are building goodwill. He wants sure. to go back there. And not, I'm not saying he doesn't want to go back to Disney, but it's, it, there is this, there is this long term aspect to what you offer and what you charge for it that I think the current regime is ignoring. And unfortunately, as much of a capitalist. Or are they taking that goodwill for granted? 
because they ah. earned it for previous generations, so they're assuming that they already have it. So one of my favorite quotes, which is going to contradict what I say after I tell you this, is that never attribute to ignorance – wait, what is the quote? Never attribute to malice what, what could be explained. I don't believe this is your favorite quote. No, it is a good quote. <laughs> I've had some sake tonight. But the quote is, never attribute to malice what can be explained with incompetence. So I don't think the people that are running this company are mean. I don't even necessarily think that they're consciously aware of the fact that they're trying to line their own pocket at the expense of the future of the company. I just think they're blinded to the reality of the fact that people loving this place is what makes it the cash cow that it is. And every time they do something that makes it less charming, less endearing, less special, and less heartwarming is ultimately in the long term going to hurt them. And when I say them, I mean the company. I don't mean the current human beings that are making decisions. Because companies, this is a weird thing you learn in law school. Companies don't make decisions. Companies are, they don't exist. They're inanimate. They're a, a juridical fiction. But you Companies have, are people. Citizens United. You have, very good. <laughs> I'm impressed. But all the decisions <laughs> that those companies made are by humans who – you know, wake up and poop and put their pants on and want a bigger house and want to send their kids to college. Have you seen the Fast and Furious ride? I would argue that some companies poop as well. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, Disney's pooped. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> the, the point just being that, you know, I, I think this is blindness more than malice. And I'm not sure how to send that message, but you two went there last week and I didn't. So clearly I'm the one who is uh, the, the better uh, – uh, curator of the Disney culture than you. I had to convince uh, – I, I failed at convincing one cast member to take $700 from me for upgrading my pass, but hmm. I was successful in convincing another one. So I am clearly the part of the problem. Good job, buddy. <laughs> but no, uh, last news item before we get into our uh, – Five-hour trip. trip report. <laughs> yes. Um, the – Details on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser are continuing to trickle out. We now have price points. Uh, yes, at double we occupancy. Do. <laughs> I mean, I was saying a thousand dollars a night. Uh, we weren't that far off. Um, double occupancy is twelve oh nine a night for a two night trip, and it's right, actually pause. about yeah. about forty five hours of time is what the itinerary spelled out. And Not far off. This is the that, car mat fallacy. When you buy a $40,000 car and they charge you $300 for floor mats, you go, well, it's only $300 and I bought a $40,000 yep. car. It's no big deal as a percentage of the whole. The, <laughs> this is a of, huge amount of money. And keep in but mind, I mean, the, like for three and four nights, it's less than that. That's why I'm yeah. getting it. For, for three, and, three and four guests, it's less than 1000 These prices, so. though, as we talk about them, keep in mind, this is for the slowest season during the lowest yep. price point. This is weekday yep. in like mid-fall or spring. The there oh I I don't even want to know what mid you know a weekend in <laughs> June what's that gonna cost you? Yeah no you're absolutely right and this these are the starting points and it's twelve oh nine a night per person with double occupancy eight eighty nine a night per person for a triple occupancy seven forty nine a night which for by the way occupancy. is not how any human being that has ever lived describes the cost of a hotel room. No, no, nobody mm -hmm. ever books a room at the DoubleTree and goes, well, it's $129 a night. It's a, how much is the room? Oh, it's $250. So now for the value, for the benefit of the listeners. They're treating it like a cruise is what they're doing. So this is a $2,400 exactly. a night 
yeah. minimum they're tre- expenditure. They're, they're treating it like a cruise where they hope that you spend at least half of one of the days inside their freaking theme park and not actually in yep. the ship. Well, it's easier it's to do when you're surrounded by an ocean than when you're surrounded by a theme park. <laughs> but Did you see, Ben, definitively if the park admission for the one park day that you get is included? So what, I, what I've what i read, I've not seen any official documentation, but some were saying that it, that is included in your price, but mm-hmm. you have to use it within those two days. That ticket expires. Um, yeah. As you check out. So it's not like you can stay on the Star Cruiser for those entire hours and never go into Galaxy's Edge and then right. go after your trip. That That is not allowed. So they are, they are banking on you leaving that area for an extended amount of time and, and going into a place that, you know, you could go in on a regular day. It, that's nothing special at all. You're gonna get you're gonna get access to Rise of the Resistance. You're gonna get access to Smuggler's Run. They encourage you to go eat at Docking Bay Seven. Screw that. Yeah, if I'm paying that kind of prices, you're you're cooking me a chef's meal within the restaurant within the uh, the yeah. Star Cruiser. I'm not eating counter service from Galaxy's Edge as, as one of my meals during this. That's not happening. Yeah. It's insulting. The, uh, the price point yeah, yeah. at uh, was it forty eight oh nine is the cheapest price point for two guests, um, but that is the way to get your guaranteed access to Rise of the Resistance. So if you don't want the anxiety <laughs> of getting a boarding group, forty eight hundred dollars should solve that anxiety for you. Yeah, the problem is the anxiety that comes with having spent forty eight hundred dollars. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, now having having said all this. Uh, we're putting it out there. We know that this is supposed to be a fully immersive experience. If it satisfies that and you have guests that are paying it, this goes into everything we said. If this is sold out every night, this price is only going to go up. If uh, people aren't willing to pay this, then the price is going to go down. Yes. You vote with your wallets. And if the experience is anything less than uh, the best vacation anybody has ever had, then people are going to vote accordingly. Yep. So you're going to get the bloggers at the outset that pay the money for it. Right. Um, And that's that's a scary thing, too, is that what is this experience going to – how is this experience going to change over time? Because right. they know right. that the first people to experience this are going to be the vocal ones that, uh, you know, yep. make YouTube videos about it. So that, that's another concern I have is do you see these videos and then plop down your five grand and then get a, you know, half assed version of that? I've never, it is safe to say, go ahead. I was going to say, I've never been one of those that's, I guess it's an FCC rule that, you know, if you're, if you're hosted or sponsored, you get something free like this for, to go in there, you're, you're supposed to, Put that in your post. I've never cared about it all that much when it comes to like, hey, you got a free free meal at a new restaurant, whatever. But Disney, I can't see how they're not just going to load up influencers into this thing and and pump them through there to shoot videos, post stuff. Yeah, every freaking one of them at these prices better make it very clear that they didn't pay a damn thing to go on this thing. I don't want to see the. I don't call anybody out, but you know, a a a, a slew. Longfellow or somebody like that uh, <laughs> saying this is the great uh, Shadow Marbles gets fingered <laughs> by Darth Vader, Sl- Slim Bill or something, something like that on a a, a, a Ben Vesta uh, saying this is the greatest <laughs> thing they've ever done. I I want to see receipts that they paid for this shit <laughs> that before I believe one thing that they say because at the I don't know I it's it's crazy and, and the. The thing I find very interesting on this, they are they are definitely going the cruise model. They're going mm-hmm. cruise pricing. I get cruises aren't cheap. 
But cruises give you a lot of different experiences. They give you a lot of places to go. There's a lot of things to do. This is incredibly specific at a cruise price. Right. My family of four, I'm the only one that would actually want to do this. Can I <laughs> convince my daughters and my wife to do this as well? I can tell you my wife would be like, absolutely not. She has no interest in that at all. Whereas like a cruise... I can convince them very easy to go on a cruise. There might be something on that ship that I really want to do, but there's going to be a billion things that they want to do as well. This is very specific to a very specific audience. If they don't change up the experiences very often, you know, how how repetitive this is get, this this has to hit a home run right off the bat, especially if you want to hope to get some repeat, you know, Star Wars customers. I think somebody had a, a, a funny tweet today saying, like, how soon until the entire Galactic Star Cruiser is at the Disney outlets at these prices? You know, have they yeah. have they priced them out? This could be great. They could be booked every single night. But they also, you know, could have – what's the experience like if only five families book for a two-day cruise because nobody else can afford it? Like, I guess that's a really custom experience for those five families. Uh, but I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see if this works. One thing they did is they did not make this a, a large resort. So I think they've set it up in a way to expand it. But uh, they they made it that if if it fails, they can cut it back. They can cut the price. Yeah. And they don't have a – I mean, I'm sure they have millions of dollars of exposure here. But uh, I believe they only have 100 rooms. So Have you ever seen how they build a roller coaster at Six Flags Magic Mountain? It's like in the parking lot, which is basically what this thing is. It's like in the studio's yeah. parking lot, which I'm not yeah. sure what my point is here other than the fact that it, it doesn't really look like it was designed to be a first-class citizen among Disney properties, despite the fact that it is certainly commanding that price. I mean, the, what you physically see is minimal yep. uh, of, of, the, uh, of, of the hotel. The hotel has... Uh, to steal a line from Honda Mansion, no windows and no doors <laughs> other than the original one you go into. Um, did either of you guys see the comments on that Disney Parks blog post for the Star Cruiser? Uh, the, no, like you one, should tell us, Tim. <laughs> shut up, asshole. <laughs> one comment went through. Uh, we, our transitions are fantastic. Uh, one comment did go through uh, from Erin. Uh, she said uh, a few questions. Like one E-R-I-N? E-R-I-N. Not that is, A-R-O-N? Not that is the A-A-R-O-N. Yeah. E-R-I-N is the pretty way to spell it. Okay. Uh, uh, a few questions. One, will it actually be launched into a galaxy, or will we be uh, in a building that feels like we're launched into the galaxy? That's a good and question. Two, good question. And, and two, why yeah. do the lightsabers look so real? Are they real lightsabers? That's a good uh, question. <laughs> I anticipate a follow-up answer from Disney on this. Um, so kudos to you, Aaron, for the <laughs> trolling that got through. They yeah, didn't tell excellent. you, though, the... Those lightsabers are $1,000 each, uh, so just be prepared. There's definitely an upcharge there. Yeah, I don't actually, if you buy six of them, they're only $930 <laughs> each. I don't know if you guys saw, there was a uh, kind of a puff piece on an Imagineer um, earlier this week, but the guy had 100 patents to his name, and I believe uh, the, the impression that I got was he was 
the one that patented the real looking lightsaber that they have teased on this. Um, so it's kind of an interesting puff piece. Uh, and I can, you're a puff piece. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe I won't pull up his name just after that commentary. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, the real reason why you called, why Marty called was to get to Penn and my trip report as we are now an hour and 20 minutes into the show. Uh, it wouldn't be a, a trip report with me involved if we didn't do a three hour long podcast. So, uh, I'm going to hand over the reins to Ben and I'll kind of jump in. Um, where appropriate. So, actually, uh, I was ben, hoping I could take this one. <laughs> shut up, Josh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ben, uh, you were there longer than me. I'm sure we observed many of the same things. We had many of the same shared experiences. But what what are some of your takeaways from the trip? Well, it started. We planned this trip probably six months ago uh, by cute, going on a website called joke. Yeah, kayak.com. <laughs> It'll never get old. I love the kayak uh, kayak <laughs> joke every time. Uh, yeah, no, we we were out there for eleven days. Uh, I would have liked to have gone to the parks for eleven days, but and five they nights. wouldn't sell. Me- <laughs> yep, in five nights, uh, I would have liked to have gone to the parks for eleven days, but they wouldn't sell me an annual pass. Those bastards. So we went for ten days to the parks uh, and, and had a uh, nice day in the middle for. Uh, Blizzard Beach, where we got to ride like three things before lightning struck and uh, kind of ruined the rest of that day. <laughs> but uh, no, we we had a we had a nice trip, primarily planned uh, around Hollywood Studios. Uh, if you're following me on Twitter or on our uh, Marty called Facebook group, uh, you would have seen that that we we this was the first trip ever where that was the primary park. I believe we Same had. Here. Five total reservations for that park. Uh, I was three of my Magic four days. Kingdom. Three of my four days were three or four. Yes, we, we did five there, two at Magic Kingdom, two at Animal Kingdom, and one at Epcot. Uh, but we also had the park hopper. So a, a little we, heavy we, on Epcot, but yeah, other than that. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and again, we, we just discussed this before. The damn place closes at ele- uh, opens at 11. So yep. I it, it doesn't make sense to have a park reservation for Epcot where you're losing two hours in the morning. It, it, I, I take that back. It doesn't make sense to have that as your primary park reservation if you don't have the park hopper. Yeah. Uh, you know, otherwise, Epcot's staying open until 10 o'clock at night right now. Go there at night. Uh, start somewhere else in the day and maximize your time in the parks if that's the kind of uh, – insane psychotic theme park guest uh that you are like like i am uh who likes to be in the park as long as possible each day so uh i guess we start off with uh rise of the resistance sure where we batted five for five with our boarding groups um Ooh, and we had what was the lowest boarding group that you got the lowest one yeah. Do you do you really not know? No, I know. That's why I'm asking you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, we got group one, baby. On our very last day, we got group one. That's impressive. I've uh, never yep. even seen that before. And all the tweets yep. and posts and everything I've seen, I've never seen anyone have group one. Except uh, did you see the unicorn in his kitchen too when that happened? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it came with a free uh, two night stay on the Galactic Star Cruiser, which was really nice. I uh, did not expect that. value. <laughs> <laughs> Just four thousand eight hundred dollars shipping and handling. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we did joke about that a little bit, uh, Tim, while we were out there, if, if, it, if Group 1 was a real thing. And yeah. lo and behold, we got it that last day. So I think the highest that we got was Group like 34 or 38. It was something like that, uh, where the first day that I did it, in my first attempt, 
I got 16, and then you texted me that you were something in the 30s. I believe my response yeah. was fucking amateur hour over there because you yeah. had done it before. <laughs> but <laughs> And then we just uh, – little did you know we held from hitting join for one second to give you a head start okay, to make you feel better. It. Thanks. Appreciate um, that. Because we're such pros at it. Uh, but – yeah, the the other what three times was all in the teens. Okay. Uh, we were like twelve and fourteen and eighteen. So we got to get there and ride it pretty much right after it opened uh, each time. So let's give uh, our listeners the tips for what we what we both did for it because I know there's been countless advice, but we have done real world experiments with yep. it. Um, I bring my phone to Ethernet. I download the My Disney Experience app to my ColecoVision. Okay. Uh, and I bring <laughs> – we don't want people to get this, Tim. That takes away from us. You're going to need uh, a Commodore 64 and an old <laughs> witch and a young witch. I got a Tandy 1000 computer that runs the app. Uh, no, we uh, – and I think you – I don't. You probably had this tip yourself, uh, Tim, but I think we kind of passed it along to you as well. We we run two uh, phones uh, from our beds at seven a.m. Uh, in the resort, which is great. Uh, one one of the phones though, we have an atomic clock uh, that we run as the countdown, and at six fifty nine fifty nine. We hit the join button on uh, the My Disney Experience app, so it's it's counting it in at you know at seven o'clock on the dot and within 10 seconds we have our boarding group it's for us it's as easy as that so do you uh, actually start from the home page and not from the join screen because i actually started right. from the join screen we start and hit the join button and then it's what two pages through at that point that you click through you know getting your group and, and getting that confirmation okay, screen. So, so we, that's It's two that's different ways we then. We started on – so I started on screen two without a join button on screen two, and I pull down at 659 yep. and 59 seconds and accomplishes more or less the same thing. It does. Uh, we are now eight for eight total okay. on it. So I'm one of those, you know, don't fix yeah, it don't, if it's yeah, not broken. Exactly. So our method works, and uh, that's that's how we go. We you know, and again, even at we're at the Disney Resort, we get off the Disney Wi-Fi. We're doing it all over cellular. Yep. Uh, and again, I don't know for this to be true, but I still my gut feeling tells me that something the My Disney Experience app recognizes that I'm a DVC member staying at a deluxe resort, and you can't convince me that that doesn't play a part into. Us possibly getting a spot now. You were off property, but yeah. you were a single person. You're one person getting uh, getting it. I think. Let me be a, a contrarian single- there. Uh, okay. They spent three billion dollars on the next gen project, and there is no representation of that level of intuitiveness anywhere in that next gen project that would be smart but enough to detect profi- that. My that profile has that on there. I I don't know. It's just. I, I hope you're right, and it's maybe a fair shot for everybody. But again, that's that's been my situation. Each time that we've done it, we've been a on res, on property guest staying at a deluxe deluxe DVC resort. Plus, my account recognizes that I'm a DVC member. So the actual know, truth is that it worked because you were touching your nose and facing east. Yes, exactly. That's as much true there as anything is possible. So uh, I pulled. So yeah, we. I was going to say, I, I pulled down at 6.59 and 59 seconds. Um, I was in the comfort of my own uh, uh, hotel room, so I, I can do that. I can pull down uh, privately like that. But I actually pulled <laughs> down twice where I must have pulled down too early. 
and was still able to do it. But I also did a speed test ahead of it. And on the Wi-Fi that I had there, I was at 90 down. So I, I'm guessing I'm better than Disney Wi-Fi as well as the <laughs> Can cellular service. Can we just point out that me. this is the – if you had to describe the exact opposite of a spontaneous vacation experience. Oh, absolutely. This absolutely. Like, you're literally testing the throughput of a global <laughs> computer network in order yeah. to have your vacation. So the yeah. other the Nailed other takeaway good here, good job, guys. You really you really did a great job. And Ben, I'm guessing you did this when uh, the only way you can get your reservation at seven is you need a or your park pass at seven. Uh, let's try this again. Your boarding group at seven is you need a park pass for everybody involved. Did you bother oh, to check that you, you had everybody? Hello, hello. What was that? Uh, I think I lost you guys for a minute there. That well, I just heard a, fun. I heard a I heard a very weird noise there. Okay. <laughs> I I think I got excited at uh, Tim uh, Josh's comment over uh, the lack of spontaneity uh, <laughs> in a trip. And I might have hit my Ethernet cord, and I might have been singing to myself on my local recording some that you can use later on. Yeah, this is all going to hey, stay in. <laughs> leave it all in. Yes, this is anyway. cool. I don't. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold, <laughs> Anyway, Jerry. so. So when you get to uh, to page three here, um, where you're actually selecting the people, it should automatically select everybody that you're connected to that's eligible. Did you bother to check that everybody was selected, Ben? So, yeah, here's the ugly truth. I've never gotten to that page because my wife is the one that gets this every time. <laughs> okay. Well, assuming that uh, that whoever you are traveling with, that one of yep. you gets to that page. Uh, my biggest advice here is to hit the join button and not try to uh, make yep. sure that everything is correct. Because as long as you have access for the join button, then yep. you can fix it later in guest services. And that, we, we did have that experience on one of the days yeah. where uh, Ben and his family were in the parks. I was in the parks and a friend of the show, John Hopkins, was in the parks. John did not get a boarding group, but he, they were able to add him to mine without issue. And admittedly, part of the way that we set this up was to not be part of the uh, – not be connected on My Disney Experience because we figured that would give us three separate chances uh, yeah. where as long as one of us got it that we could uh, resolve the issue in guest services. I, I can tell you from a couple moments that I was near some guest experience team uh, stands uh, – Back when we went in November, yep. if you didn't get a boarding group, they they weren't doing anything. There was no adjustments. There was nothing going on. This one, they made a lot of accommodations. Yep. Now, if if your entire party didn't get a boarding group, just straight up didn't get one, they didn't give it to you because you went up and complained. But exactly like you said, if three of you got it, but one of your guests for some reason didn't click through and didn't get it, or uh, the, as long as somebody had secured a reservation, they were a lot more accommodating to add people to your group right? Uh, to make sure everybody in your party got to ride. Yeah, so that was one of the takeaways. The other takeaway was, um, at least on one of the days, we had separate boarding groups that were like 15 to 20 apart. And as long as your boarding group has been called, even if it was outside of the yep. window that it was called, they would let you on. I think they are doing whatever they can to minimize complaints about this. Excuse me. And, and they we recognized told, all of that. So Yeah. We were told boarding groups do not expire. Yeah. Uh, you can't go on before, but after your group's called, even if your window – you know, actually in my Disney experience, the app will say that your, your boarding window ha has expired. Uh, 
the system still recognizes that you have that reservation. So like the day that we got group one was our last day. So we had to pack up the room, check out, you know, get everything to the, the, the bell hops and, and, and get that put away. So we get to the park. So we didn't get to the park until closer to 11. Yeah. And obviously with group one, you were well past that window and it was zero problem going right up there. And they just asked what, what's your boarding group? We said group one, they said, go right on in. And uh, we got on. So so we're talking about all of the minutiae to getting to it. Let's talk about the ride itself. Uh, you've yeah, already given okay. your opinion. Man, th- this ride delivers on everything. Uh, believe the hype. It is absolutely incredible. The, the one thing I can say related to the ride itself is if you haven't watched a ride video, don't. Just go and experience it. Because our friend John, who joined us, hadn't watched a ride video and when I say that his jaw dropped, that isn't uh, me being hyperbolic. Uh, his jaw was uh, was dropped, and his mouth was open the entire time. Uh, when we went into the uh, uh, the ad at room, the profanities were shouted. Uh, he he was not expecting anything that went on in this attraction. It is That's unbelievable. Awesome. It that really, is really really cool. It it is it is so incredible. I- uh, I was a little worried because I went on it two days before and it was not the best experience I had on it. There were several special effects not working. Uh, one, namely Kylo's lightsaber piercing through the uh, roof yep. of the uh, uh, elevator that's shaft. That's a big one. That's an incredible uh, effect. I, I was really worried about uh, that not working for you guys. So I was very happy when that, that was functioning. The only thing that was not working that... I don't know if you recognized it or not. I did, and it didn't work the entire time what, uh, that I was out there. All, every all five times it had this uh, in the cannon yeah, room. Yeah, the cannons uh, weren't working. Only one, one of the three. Ca- only one was going. the The other two were not moving back and forth, which takes a little away, especially if you're that second car, yeah. uh, because you don't always time it to see that first cannon blast and then go back. Uh, the way that works is. That first cannon blast goes, the first car shoots past them, your second car follows quickly behind it, and that second cannon would do that same blast, and so you you would get that same uh, first-person's perspective of that cannon nearly clipping your car. Uh, so you, you did not get that if you were in the second spot as you went through that room, but otherwise, you guys got to experience a... Uh, a full show. That 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 was the only special effect that was not working uh, during your ride. That was, yeah, as far as I could tell, that was the only thing that was missing. And I mean, it seemed that just seeing the visuals of the movement of the first cannon, that having all three of them going just would add that much more to it. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't take away much from the attraction. There are so many no. other wow moments. Uh, even before you get on the attraction, it is it is incredible. It delivers on every. Everything that they set out for it to deliver on, other than being able to get people uh, through it efficiently, but it is um, it is incredible. I'm looking forward to uh, experiencing it with my family uh, this fall. And what I told every family member that is going to be going with me is, don't watch any more ride video of it. Um, yeah, I, I know a couple like Marie. She she's watched the ride video once. My parents have watched the ride video once. Um, my uh, uh, stepfather-in-law is one that might watch it a few more times. And I told him, don't. I mean, you're gonna just you're gonna be so blown away when you see it. Uh, it absolutely lives up to the hype. I mean, we all have our individual favorites, but it's hard to argue with this being far and away the best thing that Disney has ever done. Um, you may. You may like something like like uh, something that's totally different, like a Kilimanjaro Safaris, which is my favorite attraction. But from a achievement standpoint, this truly, truly delivers. Um, 
it took them long, uh, a long time. But if if this was their indirect response to Harry Potter, they hit it out of the park. It is phenomenal. Everything that they did with it is so great. And you can people will, will find small, minute criticisms for it, but they're they're trying to nitpick here. It is absolutely a home run in my book. Josh, your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I haven't been able to write it yet, but I have watched pretty much every ride through video I could find. Mm-hmm. And there's always a question as to how things translate to video versus experience them in real life. But I can tell you that uh, it looks unbelievable. I mean, the the one scene of the you know the lightsaber going through the ceiling is uh, definitely the best effect I've ever seen. It looks like it was a CGI effect for a movie. And to me, the fact that that could actually translate into the three-dimensional world is amazing. So if that actually is a thing, uh, I just can't wait to see it. It is a very I good found, effect. Yeah, it's awesome, with, without a doubt. And I found the the one thing I caught myself on the last couple trips as I wrote it. Um, and and again, how many times did you end up doing it, Tim? Just While twice. So I ended up twice. Okay, uh, I I used my last park reservation, and switched it to the Animal Kingdom because I didn't have. I had like I was able to do two things on my Animal Kingdom day, so uh, I gave up my third trip on it. The one thing that I started catching myself, and and I don't know if you prob you probably didn't catch this because you were still looking at the the big effects, yeah. Uh, because there's just so much going on. But the thing that I have now appreciated more than anything is the 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 lights from the blasters from the stormtroopers. Yeah. So I saw where they and landed. I, I didn't see them moving through the air. Okay. The moving through the air. I, on my last couple trips specifically, was trying to see how that worked, and I still can't figure it out. I can't see where the light source is going and how those things travel across a room. I do know how it works if you'd like me to tell you, or I could let you figure it out. I've I've seen how it works as far as like the patents and the technology, Mm -hmm. but when it's actually in front of your eyes, I can't see how it's working if that, that makes sense that yeah. means they Which implemented it awesome. brilliantly yes yes I, I i'm trying to see the 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 the, the things you, there to make it happen know, and i can't you know how the magician cuts the girl in half and you still can't figure yep. out how the magician's cutting the girl in half <laughs> that you got a good yep. magician and that's the that's what this ride is is i think we're going to spend the next decade trying to figure out all the different things on it, it it's one thing to to read stories or have an Imagineer tell you, oh, we t- developed this and that. But I mean, as far as the true, you're in the vehicle in the moment, trying to trying to see those things in real time. You can't, uh, that's and, a, and that's, that's just awesome. that's just so impressive with it. And I can't remember Tim did when we rode. Did did you get the the side shot of the at at, or did you get the head on? We got at, the side at, shot. Start. So I, the second time I rode, I got the other side. So I've seen both okay. of them. Yeah, and that's that's maybe my favorite. It's one. It's it's quickly moved up to one of my favorite show scenes on any Disney attraction is when you go up that elevator and those cannons lean forward at you. Yeah, and you know what's coming, and the 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 thunder of those beams shooting over your head and then blasting those holes in the walls behind you is just something to be seen. It, it's they just did everything so perfect on this ride that. Uh, that you you have to experience it in person. The, the 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 YouTube clips are great, and this is one of those where yes, the YouTube clips do look as good as it is, but it's just it, that much it, better. It just it goes on an absolute another level when you see it in person. 
something as a unlike, uh, unlike Mario Kart as a smaller scale uh, thing that I was impressed by was the transport ship itself. The I guess yep. second pre-show. Um, I didn't expect uh, much movement on that ship as well, but there was additional subtle movements on there that further enhanced that part of the experience. So, uh, but to your point on the blaster shots. You basically have three different effects working in sync with one another, whether it's an uh, ADAT shooting at you or a stormtrooper shooting at you. You have the the visual of actually being shot at, then you have the laser blast in midair, and then you have where it lands. And those are three totally different effects that work in synchronization with one another. And they have that, I don't know how many times over the course of the attraction, but it happens many times throughout the course of the attraction to really simulate the uh, uh, the, the movement, uh, the, the energy of the attraction. Uh, there's also music on the attraction that sets the mood as well. You get that air raid siren noise as you're trying to escape that is reminiscent of um, Rogue One to me uh, that, that kind of hit there. But there is uh, just <laughs> honestly the, the weakest parts of the attraction, and it's no criticism of them, are the animatronics. They're they're almost insignificant to it. And we, we talked about uh, the, the 300 animatronics. Uh, like, like there, there's a, yes, there's quite a few animatronics in here, but they're almost they're almost secondary to the actual storytelling and the effects in the ride. It is just so loaded, overloaded with, uh, with effects. Um, one story point that we discussed, my friend Brad texted me this. So the context of the ride is more or less the time frame of episode eight. And for those people that have, uh, seen episode nine, um, uh, uh Kylo Ren's second in command, whose name now escapes me, um, is General Hux. General Hux is revealed to be a spy. And as, right before we're broken out of the third pre-show room uh, to go into the to board of the group, it's General Hux that pulls Kylo Ren away. And I don't know if that was a happy coincidence where he was the one that uh, helped fuel our escape um, or if it was something that they deliberately planned knowing what was going to happen in episode nine that he was a spy. So I paid a little bit closer attention to that. Uh, on my last two trips after after you brought it up to yep. me. And I think at first I told you I thought it was a coincidence. Yep. Uh, but if you I think now if you watch that delivery, um, Kylo pretty quickly says, you will give me the, the, the you know, the, the location of the secret base. Yep. And Hux, Hux quickly goes, you're needed on the bridge. Like he knows we're weak. He knows we'll give it up if if we're in there for two more seconds with Kylo. Okay. And he steps in very quickly with the "you're needed on the bridge," and Kylo's like, well, "You know, I'll be back." Type deal. Uh, so I think there might be something to us Hux being being a spy uh, and, and being and being you know trying to protect us a bit in that scene before we give up that information to Kylo. I, I think there's definitely something to that now. The next time either one of us speaks with uh, Scott Trowbridge, we'll have to ask him because I think it's an it's an interesting question. And you look at, you know, I'm actually having lunch with Scooter on Thursday, so I will okay. uh, run this by him. <laughs> it still does leave in the, you know, I, I if, if they did know and they made that as part of the attraction, I appreciate that. But mm -hmm. it's still a very weird setting to where we're on an attraction where Kylo's threatening to, you know, kill the resistance and, and torture us and get the information out of us when he becomes a, you know, kind of a good guy at the end of episode nine. It yeah. Just, I mean, you could argue the same thing about Darth Vader and anything though. Um, 
Yeah. Where, where I, like, it was no real surprise that Kylo gets redeemed. I mean, you see, you see him in episode seven, like, all right, well, he's going to be the redemption story in this. So, yeah. Um, but I, 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 I will what you're say saying. that, I will say that, you know, I, I told you guys from a young age, uh, I saw the Jungle Cruise, and that's that's the job I wanted. I wanted to be a Jungle Cruise skipper. If I had the chance to go back and work there right now, I would think being a uh, First Order officer they were great. in that queue would be my number one job that I would want. Those guys had so much fun, and the guys and gals had a blast in there just being total totally, dicks. Yeah, total, to, to, total stone face. I mean, yep. they're basically playing Nazis, uh, yep. and that does take a special type of person to uh, for that role to uh, to be something for them, but everybody that we had uh, both times that I went on it, I'm sure probably the five times that you went on it, they they did that very well. If you, if you misstep at all, they'll yell at you. It really is great. Uh, my father's going to have a hard time with it because he can't hear, but uh, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. And if you, the good thing is you can give a little back to them because uh, yes. there's only so much they can do. It's not like they're going to push you up against a wall or anything, but uh, they will absolutely give you attitude back and it's in story yeah. and they've been doing it for you know however long they've been uh, they've been employed there so they've probably seen and heard uh, heard it all but it is it just enhances the story uh, my, i can't emphasize enough how great this experience was my deal every time we're in there i i always try to barter my youngest daughter for my safety <laughs> and they always get a kick out of that and we always have a great interaction but yeah you're right you do, you are able to push can back I, a bit because they're they're very clear that quick. yeah i've got a friend beautiful woman probably 25 Went to the Middle East with her dad, and someone literally <laughs> offered to buy her from him. I'll give you ten million drachma for the dancing woman. Uh, that was an SNL sketch for anybody that's offended by that commentary. <laughs> anyway, look that up on Google. True, true. Uh, no, so yeah, I was very happy. Uh, you, Jonathan's mouth was wide open when yeah. we got off the ride. That I, he couldn't talk for a few minutes. It was it was quite funny. Uh, he was he was blown away by it. So. Yeah. Uh, I was very happy. I mean, I was I wasn't surprised at all that you were gonna love that. Now, uh, we'll get back maybe a bit in my trip, uh, but in a little bit. But uh, while we're here, you experienced another ride for the first time that day, and I honestly thought you were joking when you got off of it uh, on your reaction. But you know, not too long after we rode rise, we did go over to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Runaway Railway, uh, which has not gotten any easier to say over uh, the, the year and a half it's been open. Um, and I'll let you give your thoughts on this because I was not ready for the reaction that you gave, to be totally honest. So I said uh, it's a very solid family-friendly attraction. Uh, there were elements that I didn't think would be good, specifically the daisy scene. Um, where Daisy is leading uh, a dance studio, I anticipated it being very similar to Luigi's Rollicking Roadsters over in DCA, but the synchronized dancing is really only a small part. Um, it is, it's absolutely screen heavy. There are some uh, uh, downsides to that, but also some major benefits to it. Uh, I, I very much like this. Um, I do wish that it and every other trackless ride that they've done would have a component similar to the Heffalump and Woozle scene that they have in Pooh's Honey Hunt because that truly That's showcases 
it truly showcases the trackless tech. But uh, I, I was very pleased with this as well. And I part of it, too, is I was ready for the great movie ride to go away or undergo a significant update. Um, son of a bitch. But, I mean, I, I've been on record saying that this should have been built elsewhere in the park. But, uh, no, I was I was very pleased. And uh, as you, a family-friendly attraction. You were delightful getting off of it. <laughs> I was I was stunned. By your reaction, uh, I, I, I was not ready. You were, you were like happy and smiling and kind of gleeful. I really liked it. That was really good. And I was yeah. like, you're, you're kidding, right? <laughs> you're like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I like it. I, I have no problem with that. My, my only problem is exactly what you said. It, it took over the great movie ride spot, which I adored. Uh, as a, as a standalone attraction by itself, that would maybe be built anywhere. I've got zero problem yeah. with this thing. It's, it's quite fun. I want to uh, make a comment on uh, an aspect of this. So this uses the projected faces animatronics. And I, I don't know, if, was it with you that we kind of had a, a prolonged conversation about that? Or it might have been somebody else that I was spending time somebody with. Somebody else, yeah. But whoever it was of the many people that hung out with Mark, Gary, Jalen, Jonathan, uh, whoever uh, it was. Who's Gary? Who's Gary? I don't know this Gary guy. <laughs> you, you weren't allowed to meet him. But anyway. What a wuss. Coward. The the projected face tech uh kind of goes back to Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters, and in some cases it works better than others. I think, like, the trolls over in uh, Frozen Ever After work great, but where the uh, where I think it actually hits its shortfall, and Josh, you can probably speak to this a little bit better, is on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, you don't have the true blacks that, say, like an OLED television would have. Yeah. And I think that hurts it, that they need to perhaps change the... Uh, the guts of of this to make it look a little bit better. It's and actually it's. I would say it's a really good problem to have because that's how that that uh, that technology is not only becoming cheaper, but the problem you have with building attractions like that is you have to have it in sizes that are big enough to actually let you do it. Mm-hmm. So the two technologies that are out there right now are, as you said, OLED, which where the dark pixels are literally off, so it's pure black. Right, And the second one is micro LED, where instead of having a backlight where you have maybe 20 backlights LEDs for a screen that's, uh, let's say, 84 inches diagonally, you have 10,000. So you have very small dimming zones, which make the dark areas darker. Because, yeah, that you're exactly right. When you have screen-based attractions and what's supposed to be black is kind of gray, it, it really disrupts the sense of disbelief. So, so with that, I mean, Mickey and Minnie's ears are black, but in this case, they've kind of got that great effect. Yep. And the the animation style here is a more simplified animation style. It's not a like a true CG style or anything like that. So it that stands out a little bit, but it's something that I think is also correctable. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the Disneyland version of it, you see uh, slightly different projectors inside these animated characters. Um, but like uh, for people that are totally unfamiliar with what we're talking about, um, I'm almost certain that the screens in the Pandora pre-show are OLED screens where you get the uh, you get a borderless uh, video, but also your your blacks are true blacks as opposed to uh, kind of that gray in color that you see on yeah. like your, your older TVs or just your, your like your $200 65-inch TV as opposed to your $2,000 65-inch TV. Yep. So anyway, I, uh, that's, a, that's a minor quibble uh, uh, on this one. I did post a tweet uh, at one point in the trip 
And this goes back to what you were saying, how everything had a line, mm -hmm. uh, including the Barnstormer. So as I'm waiting there for a half hour to ride the Barnstormer, <clears throat> which lightning struck and we never actually got to ride the Barnstormer. But we got to talk about uh, the lightning strike that we encountered as well. Uh, well. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we we're standing in line. I'm killing time. I'm looking at the Tron uh, construction site. But then I turn around and look behind me and I see the Casey Jr. splash area. I see the bathrooms. I see a... Uh, you know, Those the, are the one circus. and the same, actually. Yeah. Uh, this True. The circus tent uh, store, that I forget the name of it at the top of my head right now. Circus uh, McGurkis. Yeah, Circus McGurkis. Uh, that hasn't been opened in, uh, you know, since the, since the parks reopened. Yep. Uh, I haven't looked at the footprint behind that, but I'm looking at all this like train stuff mm -hmm. and going, wow, you know what would go really well in this area? A, a, a train attraction like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I feel that there was a proposal and I wonder if it was this. I feel that there was a Mickey and Minnie proposal for Storybook Circus. I wonder if it was this. It, it just makes, again, going back to like, it, maybe it would find a good spot in the studios park mm -hmm. without taking away movie ride, but it just seems like it would work perfect in this area of yeah. the magic kingdom. And we'd still have movie ride and we'd have this attraction over there and we'd all be happy, but you know, whatever. Uh, it does bring up the point though, that we talked about in the parks of like Hollywood studios definitely has an attraction problem right now. There's just, there's not enough to do. Every line is long, especially for the key rides. You know, Millennium it is Falcon is super top there. heavy. It's super top heavy. I mean, they, they, the top eight attractions in that park. I mean, yes, you may have problems with individual ones, but it is as strong as any park anywhere. But yep. it, it doesn't have those. It, it needs more like Little Mermaid type rides that are the 2000 guests per hour people eaters that. Yep aren't going to blow you away, but still satisfy the, the need to get on a ride in 15 minutes. Because those top rides, especially during the busy times right now, I mean, 60 minute minimum. Yeah. Most of them 80, several of them, you know, 90 plus slinky dogs sitting there at a hundred to 120 minutes, the entire trip, uh, millennium Falcon smugglers run, which we praised before about how many people that that attraction can put through in an hour was still sitting at 90 to 120 minutes yeah. the entire time. Uh, and that's, it's just because there's not enough secondary and third level, fourth level attractions to just pull a fraction of those people away uh, every hour to, to, to help m minimize some of those lines. So not having the shows running right now is really hurting. That hurts, parts. hurts yeah. bad when, when Indiana Jones isn't just swallowing massive numbers of people and uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid doing the same thing, pulling people, you know, multiple times an hour and just getting them, getting them out of circulation for a little bit. So right. uh, we've talked about the black box attraction. We've, we've talked about other things. This park is in desperate need of, we don't need any more e-tickets. This is no. the one park. We don't need one. We're yeah. good. We're good. Give us some, you know, C tickets. Give us some B tickets. Give us anything just to put those little road bumps uh, between the e-tickets right now because this park is going to be so packed for the foreseeable future uh, that the, the, there's just not a lot of – not much they can do right now until they start announcing to, to actually get in there and try to fix some of these issues. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, I mean, we have kind of individual trip details. Do you have any like high level general observations of your trip? Uh, 
I got one off the top of my head. I think security is substantially better right now. It's way better. Way better. For people that haven't experienced it, uh, you're walking through, the way I described it, you walk through a metal detector design for like 500 pound short people. There's no crossbar at the top and small bags only get searched if the metal detector goes off. So it is substantially more efficient. I don't know if it's any more safe, but it's at least more efficient. Um, so we, we may be uh, more vulnerable to... Uh, uh, to things with uh, being snuck in, but uh, it's at least quicker. I mean, you don't have the the forty five minute lines at security that you used to have. Um, but the flip side to that is getting in and out of the Magic Kingdom feels tougher than ever. And I hope this Ugh. is this is just a staffing issue. Um, but I mean, for me, I parked at the TTC for the first time I can recall. I really don't know the layout of the TTC. But thankfully, I parked relatively close, so I didn't have to hire a Sherpa to get to the front. Um, and then other times, I'll park at a hotel and take a boat or a monorail. Um, but the end-of-the-night boat docks were backed up with a 30-minute wait. Monorails were backed up. There's no monorail to the poly because the uh, uh, resort is still you know, 75% done. So I'm hoping that this is just a staffing issue um, and that it's kind of a a short-term problem. I mean, I know end of the night you're going to run into issues, but it just seemed more exaggerated this trip. Well, I assume you ran into the same thing. That and, and I mean, there's zero chance that Bob Chapek has parked in the furthest Magic Kingdom <laughs> parking spot in the middle of July at like four in the afternoon and walked to the magic walked gone through the whole process of getting to the magic kingdom zero chance when do you the, think he was last in the magic kingdom uh, i don't Ooh, know if he's ever question. gone but the lack of trams and the lack of making that a priority to get yeah. the parking lot trams up and running again again we're paying for parking when you're out there yeah that should be a common courtesy that should be included in that parking price if you know what add 5 bucks to the parking price if that's what you have to do to to, to raise the prices to be able to bring back cast members or to, to, to justify getting these things up and running again. But the, the, the parking situation right now sucks so bad out there. Yeah. Uh, I saw reports and rumors today that they're looking to start hiring uh parking lot attendance again, but I've seen that multiple times over the last few months because I, I, I remember a month ago going, Oh, it looks like the trams might be going again. So parking at the, the parks might be an option. Uh, but once we got there, you know, we had a rental car the whole time and not mm. one time did we park. Uh, I, was, I take that back. One time we did park at uh, Hollywood studios because again, we had the robots and I didn't want to have to carry those around all day. So we parked and we parked way the hell out there <laughs> and the, the walk to and from, and then the walk, I had to walk and put the robots back out there because they charge $10 per item now to watch your bags at the front of the park. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That's a new thing we learned. Um, and so some people were walking around with like four or five lightsabers and like, what do we do with these? And I heard the, the, the guest relations person saying, oh, yeah, take them to the front. By the way, it's $10 per item. And they're sitting there going, we just spent, I, I guess I guess if you did just spend like, you know, eight to $1,000 on lightsabers, what's an extra 50, <laughs> 60 bucks to watch them? But again, that's to me, nickel and diamond the shit out of, of, of guests right now. That There's no reason there should be a cost associated with that if you're spending that kind of money on these items in the parks. Uh but I'll get off my soapbox again. Sorry, I bitch a lot about money right now. But, you know, <laughs> if you can't tell, I no, spent no, a lot I of money you. this last trip. It was crazy. 
Uh, I want to. You mentioned Slinky Dog Dash is something in the studios that just generates ridiculous weights. Yep. I have nothing against Slinky Dog Dash. It is not a ride that dictates a ninety-minute wait. It just simply isn't. Uh, there are substantially better roller coasters on property, and like, something like Thunder Mountain. Uh, at mm-hmm. the end of the night, you how many times did you do Thunder Mountain on this trip, Ben? Twenty. Oh my god, at least I mean, twenty. And they and, and they all happen between eight and ten p.m. at night. Yeah, I mean, yes, all right. There's there's still a newness factor for Slinky Dog Dash, but it is a decent roller coaster with moderate theming, and it's something that I waited I waited for it once. I waited forty five minutes and I rope dropped it, mm-hmm. and that is without fast pass running. Uh, and it was first thing in the day, so anybody that had a disability pass wasn't jumping in front of me in line either. It it just the the demand for a ride like that just shouldn't be that high. I hope it. I hope it wanes a little bit. Um, yeah. Actually, I hope it wanes a lot because it, it's still a worthwhile ride and it's a good introductory coaster for for uh, for kids. Um, I think it's the thirty eight inch height requirement, so it's probably going to be the one of the first like you know better than the Barnstormer roller coasters that uh, my daughter does. But pretty easy uh, for height. Extremely impressive for length. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, we love Slinky Dog. I, we're, we're huge, huge fans of it. Uh, the only thing that sucks with Slinky Dog right now is it's a much better ride at night with the lighting yeah. uh, around the track. And with that park closing at 8 o'clock, uh, it doesn't get real dark. Uh, yeah, that's fair. By 8 o'clock. So the best way to experience it, you don't get to because, uh, you know, they like to close the park obscenely early when they don't really need to. But. I'm not intending uh, to to shit on it. First off, it's a better ride than I ever expected it to be. Oh no, yeah, but yeah. I, I just I don't think it the relative wait time for that versus something. Yes, it's been around for you know 40 years, like Thunder Mountain is just it, it's wrong. That that just doesn't make any sense to me, other than the newness factor, and that's 100 percent what it is. Uh, Thunder Mountain, by all accounts, is a more complete attraction than Slinky Dog. Um, yep. But anyway, neither here nor there. So, so outside of that, I will say we did stay at Boardwalk during this trip, which means yeah. we had access to the Skyliner, which yeah. was the first time I uh, got to experience that and thoroughly enjoyed it. Really liked the Skyliner. That's yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's a it's a huge asset to to the transportation system there. Really impressed by the speed of uh, getting on and off and and transferring, and it's it's quite efficient to get to where you need to go. Uh, even in the morning when they had mass, you know, look like massive lines, they, those lines move very quickly and get you through there. Uh, I liked it so much that without a doubt, I think that thing needs to be expanded to more resorts and more, more, uh, parks. It, Were you it's involved just, in any collisions? No collisions, but <laughs> okay. that's part of the, yeah, that's that's part of the fun of it. Uh, <laughs> you just, <laughs> I, I, I hope this isn't the end of it. I, I do think it's, it's a system that they should look to expand on and, and continue to grow it out over the parks because uh, I mean, one thing with the buses, the buses just took a long time. Yeah. No it, one the, ever has a great story that happened on a bus. No. And one thing I can't say about the Skyliner, when I went to get on a Skyliner, I was on one within 10 minutes every time. Yeah. And, and pretty good, you know, and you had great views while you're at it. It's a ride. Uh, yeah, that, it's that a ride view to get of, your rides. That view of going into Epcot and you're you're going over France is really really cool. Uh, so big uh, big thumbs up on the Skyliner. I was I was really really impressed with that system. I hadn't done so uh, 
when when I was there in October of nineteen uh, with with Josh. So like you guys, I think went on every line. I had only done the Epcot line. So 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 this trip I did. Uh, I went from the studios to Epcot and back, and it is kind of funny, like the totally indirect path uh, that goes from Epcot to the studios, because that really is kind of a straight line. But yeah. they 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 uh, they cut out like a total bump out to um, uh, to to hit the Caribbean Beach hub to it, in order you could to kind uh, of do see why because of the yeah. the arrival angle that they come in at. But it it is still. Uh, Kind of funny. I'm like, I'm backtracking, aren't I? Like, yes, I was you are. just, I was just over there like ten minutes ago. But uh, you are, you are now further away from the destination <laughs> than you were a few minutes ago. But uh, no, it is, a, it is a really cool experience. I'm glad that you said, Ben, that it was uh, productive getting, uh, getting to the park in the morning because it didn't seem to me, uh, at least initially, that it was an effective means of leaving the parks, especially Epcot at night, that it was backed up. But perhaps they've uh, tightened up operations a little bit uh, to make that a little bit more efficient. Um, and it, it can't be worse than leaving the Magic Kingdom that we experienced this trip. So, <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm for expanding it. I think it's a cool, uh, cool thing. And I don't know what the uh, logical path would be. Um, enemy of the show uh, and current e-ticket report co-host uh, Tommy uh, put something. Is up. he really enemy? Do we have enemies? We do because he's a new e-ticket report co-host. Oh, he, he put out a he put out a proposal. I see. I can find it. I think it was like Animal Kingdom, um, a Disney Springs connection, that sort of thing. But yeah, it was. I, I would be in favor of expansion to this. I think it uh, it would work out well. Yeah, let's let's see how he proposed it. He, eh, I'm not going to find it anyway. Uh, but some some level of connecting Disney Springs and Animal Kingdom via some other future connecting connection point to uh, the studios and Epcot uh, areas would be great. So uh, the I've more got, the merrier. I, I'm even looking at like something getting Animal Kingdom in the loop a little bit as far yeah. off as that is. That would be fantastic. And I mean, if it's not the Skyliner, then find another means of unique transportation uh to to get over to the animal kingdom and the animal kingdom lodge um that isn't that isn't a boat i mean do a you, bus. Yeah, it, I think, it isn't I, a boat or a bus nothing against the boats some of those are are, are kind of cool and fun but the skyliner is more unique uh the monorails are more unique i i'd I, actually i'd accept you know a train or a people mover as well but i think the skyliner yeah. is probably the logical uh, the logical solution. I think a skyliner that goes right over Kilimanjaro Safaris that would take Tim out of that yeah, setting. That would piss story me would off. be awesome. I would love that. Uh, the one complaint I have on the skyliner is the character wraps, and not because of the characters themselves. Yep. It's the it's interior the view. view. Yep, is, the view yep. is it is terrible. That, for the you do you do not want the the wraps look awesome from the ground, and you're like, yep. oh, I'd love to ride in a haunted mansion one. You don't. You want yeah. one with no wrap on it. That's yep. that's a hundred percent true. Yep. Yep. I want yeah. cataracts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd be you'd be mad though. We did not do Kilimanjaro safaris on this trip. So uh, to to that point, I did it the first day. I had a very inefficient day at the Animal Kingdom, largely Mother Nature's fault. And then I did it on my last day. And this is the first trip, uh, as far as I can tell. That I did not see a lion on Kilimanjaro safaris. And I the don't reason, think there. Yeah, go ahead. I, yeah, the reason say, I don't think they're out there. The reason why I know that is because a few years ago, uh, the previously mentioned uh, friend of the show Mac challenged me to because uh, I, I said I always see a lion, um, and I went through all of my photos. And every trip, I was able to find a photo of a lion. 
and this particular trip I was not. So one of them was weather related, but it's also possible that they just weren't on on show or they were sleeping. I think there was something being done to that exhibit, and they were actually were not uh, on the attraction. I don't I don't think they were out there at all. So that would maybe make sense for you. Yeah, the impression that I got, there was definitely, uh, you could see into a backstage area a little bit on that exhibit. So um, that's probably why. But uh, yeah, I mean, for people that complain about uh, not seeing animals on the safari, I did have a pretty poor one during a thunderstorm, but it was also during a thunderstorm. So that's kind of why. Yeah. It's these union animals. (laughs) It was kind of funny. Like, all of the giraffes were huddled together waiting to go in. I was like, I don't want to be out in this shit. But (laughs) I hear you, giraffes. We we skipped Kilimanjaro's because it was just hot as balls the entire time we were out there. So we spent as little time in Animal Kingdom as possible because, my God, it was was boiling in there. I mean, I, it, it's got more foliage. It's going to feel more humid. And when it's 95, I absolutely get it. It's my favorite park, but it is far more comfortable in December. I waited, I waited over an hour for Collie River Rapids and I hate water rides. (laughs) That's how hot it was in that park. And I got soaked by the way. So that, that's fantastic. Uh, one little thing from the trip that I don't think you got to experience, but I have to point it out because it's well worth the hype. We went to Gideon's Bakehouse, uh, bake, yeah, Bakehouse three times. Yeah. Gideon's is there. the shit. Gideon's is fantastic. We brought back a box of Gideon's cookies. Uh, it was it was fantastic. Uh, we noticed that we we talked to the the people who work there. I was gonna call them cast members, but they're not because they they don't work for Disney. Uh, we went on the very first day to get a virtual queue spot. Uh, we didn't go to the parks on our, on the day we arrived. Uh, we were going to get a virtual queue spot because you have to do it in person. And mm-hmm. then we were going to go to the resort and swim for a little bit, knowing we were going to go back to Disney Springs and have dinner that night. Uh, and we could go back in at that point. Uh, but when we got there, there was only a 10-minute wait to get in. And we talked to the, the people working there, and they said that virtual queues are only really being used on the weekends now. Uh, if you go during the it's weekdays, good. it's only about usually a 15- to 20-minute wait. And uh, the last day we did go on a – we went on a Sunday – we needed to get the virtual queue, but even the virtual queue at that point was only 30 minutes. So I got the virtual queue. We went over to Deluxe Burger, had a burger, and before we were done with our meal, my spot was open to go back over there. So Yeah, that's not uh, bad. I mean, you're if you're going no. to Disney Springs, you're spending at least an hour there. So. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we were worried about because the, the stuff that we saw before was like, you know, the four-hour virtual queue. And it's like, yeah. ugh. So maybe we could get it, go swim for a little bit, come back when it's ready to go. But we didn't have to deal that. And they said those, those times are not – you know, they don't see those times at all anymore. Uh, but I would tell you, if you had to do something like that and wait several hours to get it, it was worth it because those cookies were damn, damn good. They were definitely worth the hype. They're big. I know they're they're like $6 a piece, but they're a half pound each. Uh, or half a liter- fast pass. Yeah, uh, half a <laughs> fast pass. Uh, <laughs> a third of a fast pass, actually. We would buy a couple each time, and they would last us a couple days, and they stay fresh. That's the other okay. great part. You get something you can get, leave in the room, snack on it for a few days, and uh, and and keep enjoying them. So uh, Gideon's Gideon's was uh, the first time we had done that, and very happy we did. And it will, without a doubt, become a, uh, a at least once per trip uh, deal for us. Uh, definitely something that I will check out on my next trip when I have a little bit more time and we can, you know, spend the appropriate time over at Disney Springs. Um, something I had on my notes, how many times do you think you did Splash Mountain on the trip? 
uh, we didn't do it at all because it's not right to do. All right, I've got photo evidence to the contrary, but other than that. (laughs) Uh, We did it, we probably did it six times or so. So, I mean, for me, like, don't don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the attraction. It almost felt like visiting a sick relative. It was really kind of... It's in bad shape, man. It, like, it's a little bit run down, and we also know that it's not, it's not long for this world. So, it was, it, it didn't have the same vibe to me. It's definitely hit the level that if effects or audio animatronics are not working, they're not putting the time in to fix them. Yeah, I've definitely seen it in better. And it wasn't it wasn't in horrible state. Like a, for the most part, other than the hopping Brer uh, 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 Brer Rabbit and the laughing place, those are the two most uh, broken effects in that ride. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they, 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 it's definitely I, in the about, state. They're down about fifty percent of the time from my yeah. anecdotal experience. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed like over like a 10 day period that I've seen it before where Br'er Rabbit's not working. And then like three days later, there he is. He's going again. Right. They, these things weren't fixed at all during that time span. So I, at that point, I'm just at the, the level of I, I think they're the same as well, where they're just they know the writings on the wall. Yeah. If they can get it fixed easy, they will. Like a couple times, a couple audio animatronics heads were turned the wrong way. I would go back on it again, and they were turned the right <laughs> way. And then I'd go on it. off. I would go again, and they'd be back broken, you know, turned the wrong way again. I think if it's something as simple as going in there, and somebody at night can kind of just adjust them a little bit. They will do that. But if it's a major fix, uh, they're done, and in they the, know. In the wise world, and the wise words of Gallagher, no one spends money pruning a dead tree. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> uh, but it does lead us to wonder when when is the last time we wrote it a couple extra times, thinking these might be the last times that we do it. Uh, and so you know, it's it's nice to do those things. We we as a family, uh, and I've said it on the show, we're looking forward to Princess and the Frog going in there. I'm 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 excited to see what they do there. I think it uh, they could do a really really cool ride uh, in there. But I just hope they know, don't cheap out. Uh, and that's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. I had right. some encouraging conversations this uh, this past week about it, um, where I I don't think they're going to cheap out, but the fear still is with me. Where they can they can pull this off and make it a better attraction. I think yeah. that oh, that yeah. possibility absolutely exists. And this is coming from somebody that absolutely loves Splash Mountain as an attraction. Um, I just I they they need to do it right and. They it, the the optics will look horrible for a multitude of reasons, and they should if they do, if, if they, they yeah if, if they Agreed. if they uh, do this wrong. So, but anyway. yeah, I I have definitely found myself riding that ride now, looking at what could go where. Okay, I've caught myself doing that a few times, going, "Oh, this would make for a cool show scene for this or something for that." I'm so, I'm almost like imagineering in my head now of what the new experience could be. So I'm just hoping uh, that I don't see Lewis's taint anywhere near as much as I see Brer Bear's taint. You're going to see Lewis's taint at least three times. <laughs> the amount at of least Brer three. Bear asshole and taint that we see on that ride is ridiculous. It is a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we got a few rides on that just for figuring. I don't, I don't know if it'll be open next summer when we go again or not. But uh, if it's not and we're ready to build the next new thing, great. Uh, if it is there, we'll do it a few more times. And, and then I think that would definitely be the last time uh, it'd be up and running uh, before they before they go with the new version. So uh, we'll see. I, but, yeah, we definitely got some rides in on it. I think Disneyland's is going to close and open before Disney World's closes. 
I think yeah, that is. I wouldn't be surprised. So, so that gives very likely till at least the end of 2022 for Florida's version. Um, because I think the hope is that they do such a good job in Disneyland where it fits the surrounding area that there's no real apprehension about the better version closing in Florida. So yeah. th- that's that's kind of my my thought process and my hope. So I can tell you the the one thing that we uh we saw together as we did our uh we didn't it's not TTA talk it's uh people mover powwow <laughs> which for, I guess for people will, legal purposes. <laughs> I guess people will hear that at the end of uh this episode if that's the plan. Uh yep. Tim and I did a special recording. Uh, uh, if you if you listen to me back in the day on Inside the Magic with uh, Ricky Briganti, Ricky and I during my trips, we would take a few rides around the uh, TTA and record what we call TTA talks. Uh, and the, the 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 idea behind it was we would start the recording as we left the station, and whatever subject matter we were talking about, we had to wrap up the conversation as we pulled into uh, the unload. So Tim and I got to go around the TTA. And uh, it, well, Ricky and I got to do like we would do three or four recordings in a row because back then nobody rode the uh, TTA, but now the People Mover has a like thirty minute wait at all times. Yeah. Uh, for some odd reason, so we got to do one, and uh, but I think it came out quite entertaining. I think you guys will enjoy it. But one thing that you'll hear us talk about is uh, we did pass the construction site of Tron, and I can tell you over over my 10, 11 days. We did the people mover five, six times, and not one time did I see one single person back there working on the construction site. So that should uh, give you some inspiration about how well that project's moving along these days. Progress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing they suspended that until October 1st. I think that's going to be they're, – they're playing that fiscal year game. I was, was going to uh, say, what is bit. this fiscal year? Is that it's September yeah. 31 or 30? Yeah. <laughs> September 31. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, were also going to be joined by uh, by Gary on that, but uh, Gary wasn't allowed into the Magic Kingdom that day. Um, <laughs> this was a administrative rule that was uh, let's call yeah, it what it is. It's kind of stupid. This. So uh, we started that, or I started that day in the studios. I don't think I don't remember where you started that day, Ben, but. Studios. So, so Gary was gonna meet up with me. So you're just hiding from me. You definitely weren't in the studios. No. That, <laughs> <laughs> that was our uh, that was our uh, Epcot day. We had Via Napoli. Yep. So I, uh, I I spent the morning with a friend of the show, Jalen Harvey. Actually, no, he's an enemy of the show too. He's a new E-Ticket Report co-host. Uh, so enemy of the show, Jalen Harvey and I uh, were hanging out. Um, and then we went over to the Magic Kingdom and Gary was going to meet us. Gary had a Hollywood Studios park pass for the day, but never went. Uh, and then he, and he goes, it's, it's par for the course for Gary. Uh, so, so he, uh, goes over to the Magic Kingdom around four o'clock after the two o'clock cutoff time for hopping. And they told him at the front gate that he has to check in at Hollywood Studios. And if you, uh, were listening <laughs> about an hour ago when we were talking about how difficult it is to get in and out of the Magic Kingdom, that's about two hours for him to go back to the studios, walk in the entry gate and turn back. Which makes no sense. I right. Mean, there's so, nothing to accomplish here. So thankfully, guest services was able to straighten it out. And I think that's going to happen a lot with park pass things. But a simple if-then statement would solve this problem if you have a park hopper or an annual pass like Gary. So, uh, But you're, you're killing the story there because isn't that uh, – there were two days where I had the chance to meet Gary for the first oh, yeah. <laughs> time at the Magic Kingdom. And both days, he got through the front gate, went to Main Street, saw this shit ton of people and went, nope, and turned around and left. 
Both times. <laughs> All very much on brand with uh, with Gary. As if and, he didn't know that the Magic Kingdom in July is packed every day. I don't know right. what he was expecting to see when he went through the front gates. But he, he, he went through the entire effort of getting there, <laughs> going through there, seeing the crowd and going, nope, and left. Yep. This is all very much on brand. Uh, thankfully, I did get to hang out with him at uh, him and uh, Mark at uh, the Tambu Lounge the next day. That's uh, so, uh, so, so I got my uh, I, I got my wings. I got my bread pudding. And uh, actually, I think Mark uh, put me to shame from a uh, from an eating standpoint. I think he uh, had more of the bread pudding, and he did the uh, the wings and the pot stickers. But no, no noodles. Uh, no noodles. Um, I, I generally go for the wings and the bread pudding and you can do a couple orders of the wings and a very generous serving of bread pudding for less than what the Ohana going rate is. Um, I think all in that was like 40 You started that, you started that online riot for noodles for nothing? Yeah, that was all me. Um, (laughs) really, I like, they didn't touch anything that I like at, at Ohana, so I was good. But I couldn't get a reservation, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> but yes, I did, uh, I did. I did make you eat at uh, Pizza Rizzo, though, and you liked it. You did. Uh, I didn't have pizza. That's why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I debated just ordering three cannolis and having that as my dinner. But <laughs> uh, no, you I got liked meat- your meal. I got a meatball sub, and for nine ninety nine, it was a meatball sub and a Caesar salad, and I think that was a good value for nine ninety nine because there aren't many things left at Disney now for a meal that are ten bucks. But no, I mean, it is, uh, I'm still, you're still not going to convince me on the pizza, but the, uh, the sub was perfectly fine. And if, uh, if, if my daughter or any other family member insists on going there, that's what I'll do in the future. And I, that is a more than acceptable meal for me. So good talk. <laughs> I was going to say, we didn't even mention about the day that I went viral on Twitter with my yes. breaking news video that I saw Chris in the Rock and Roller Coaster pre-show. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I shot video. I, I mean, I can't tell you how fast I went to grab my phone and grab it and shoot the video. I did not think it was going to blow up the way it did. But uh, it was a, that was, that was a, last I looked, it was around 60,000 views and picked up across multiple outlets. And uh, yeah, it was, it was cool seeing Chris for the first time in forever get uh, Joe Perry's Black Les Paul. So uh, and he did a great job. He timed it yep. perfect with the video up there. He did a, he did a fantastic job. Now that was the only time I saw Chris the entire trip. Uh, so it might have just been a, a one off and a guy that uh, the one of the jokes online was this was a guy that was not taking an ER for the day and an early release and, and leaving. He was going to find something to do. He didn't and, really uh, work there actually. That's what was going he on. He probably didn't. He probably didn't. <laughs> but uh, it was actually uh, like a famous musician. That would be the funniest. <laughs> Uh, so no, that was a uh, that was really cool seeing seeing that brought back. And again, that was uh, so many people talked about it in there, and it's so true. It's those are the little things that Disney has lost over the years that just bring a smile to your face when they do it. And we hope that we see more of that come back. I would love to have seen him every time I went through there. Uh, At the same time, what a useless job role it's for terrible. <laughs> But who would have thought, like... That's like, what makes it great. That is. It is. Having a real soundstage with a video screen that we're supposed to pretend that one of the most famous bands in the world is behind that glass. Yeah. And and having a whoa, person... Whoa, I mean, whoa, who, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, yeah. pretend? Uh, that's true. That's true. I saw uh, them back there. But I wasn't the only one that went, uh, became made a news story in that corner of Hollywood Studios because uh, Tim also 
had a pretty, pretty big uh, piece of breaking news that he posted to Twitter <laughs> that, that got ran across multiple news outlets as well. Are you talking about the Tower of Terror sign? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't even make my notes. Um, the the Tower it's of so Terror dumb. sign, <laughs> like, read, I think the wait time was like six is less than dollar sign or something like that. <laughs> so, something weird like that. And I think what was happening is they didn't know the password to change the, the time and they were just guessing it. And each time they did that, it changed the uh, time to whatever their password guess was. But uh, Ben's former employer and now uh, clickbait <laughs> website Inside the Magic takes it and says, like, Tower of Terror sign possessed by the Twilight Zone or something like that. <laughs> I don't even think they were that funny with it. I think they literally were like uh, malfunctioning time, you know, Tower of Terror experiencing difficulties with malfunctioning wait Something's time. Something's happening. Sign. Get a clickbait article up quick. <laughs> Do we so have we were, our, our two paragraph uh, uh, stock stock dialogue for Tower of Terror? <laughs> Let's put that in there with a headline and a new picture that we'll rip off. Uh, yep. They did give me credit for what it's worth, but it was. <laughs> this is not news. <laughs> Oh, uh, well. But no, that um, was, uh, th- that was, I mean, that's really some of the key points of my trip. We had a great time. Uh, crowd, the parks were crowded. Uh, lines moved much faster than what the, the posted wait time signs were. Uh, we almost got struck by lightning. You want to talk about that? Yes, yes. Talk about that. So uh, this was, I think, Wednesday or something. Uh, lightning uh, was rolling in. We were on Sunset Boulevard and. Uh, walking, we were, walking back towards Hollywood yeah, Boulevard. We were not far from Hollywood Boulevard, and I'm fairly certain it hit multiple lightning rods on Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard. Uh, we asked a cast member at the Crossroads uh, newsstand at the front of the park if Mickey got hit, because Mickey is a uh, lightning rod himself. But there are lightning rods all over the place, and after that hit, I think we were looking for them and seeing how many there were. Uh, they absolutely did their job, but uh, Hawkins said, I didn't get to one Mississippi on that one. And I think yeah. you didn't get to whoa. You, <laughs> you weren't even close to one Mississippi. Like the, the thunder <laughs> the thunder sound was before the lightning strike. That's how close we were. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was right on top of each other. It was one of those where normally you see the lightning. I, I worked out there, been out there a million times. It doesn't bother me that much. And it was so close and so loud and shook yeah. us. I was like, oh, let's get inside right the fuck now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was a little freaky, and I know. And talk, I I'll praise uh, uh, Ben and Lisa. Uh, their daughters are great. They were uh, exceptionally well behaved the entire trip. And I think Ben, you had said they got a little stressed out with the lightning. It's like, yeah, we all did. It was <laughs> we were pretty damn close to getting, you know, however many. Uh, Go ahead. 1.21 gigawatts up our ass. Is basically yeah, what it I was like, I do everything by like the size of football fields, and we had to be within 50 yards of wherever that thing hit. Uh, well, within 50, I would say it, it was that so. Is, uh, just to point out for our European listeners, that is actually the size of a yard, not the size of a football field. Football isn't even football in most of the world. Do you know what we say about Josh, what do we say about sports references? Yes, yeah, I know. I really, I feel really bad that I have to be correcting uh, the sports guy on that. What? It's called football americano. It's still a unit of measurement. Would you, prefer, would you prefer we use furlongs or fathoms <laughs> to determine? Football fields are not a, 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 an official unit of measure. Oh, they absolutely are. They are. 50 yards is 50 yards. And anybody watches football, they know that's half the football field. Let's go. I, I want to know oh why you're God. anti-American, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm out. <laughs> uh, yes, that was crazy. Uh, and then, I mean, besides... 
Tim just tagging along with us the entire time, everything else went really well. Uh, it, it, t- t- I, I kind of feel like uh, at the end of Alien Encounter, uh, Alien Encounter, Men in Black, Alien Attack, where the guy goes, "You should have zigged. You should zigged when you should have zagged." That's uh, I, I just couldn't lose Tim the entire time. I, sh- <laughs> I zigged when I should have zagged, and and but I didn't, and you know. Tim was with us the whole time. I guess it was fine. Uh, the mistake maybe- you made was telling me your plans because I changed one of my my fourth and last day. I changed my plans to match yours. Uh- <laughs> I like, that son of a bitch. He got yeah, us. <laughs> he knew. He knows our. <laughs> he knows our strategy. Uh, um, did you do we- any uh, food and wine? Uh, we did. Yeah, we did a lot of food and wine. I uh, did a lot of stands. Uh, Germany is still the goat. Okay. You can't convince me uh, otherwise. I uh, had a. Fantastic bratwurst and a little pasta dish I have over there. It's my favorite. Got it. Got it a couple times. It's uh, a great The only disappointing thing was not all of the pavilions being open yet. So it's yeah. nice having half of them open. I, it is July. Uh, early. It doesn't early yeah, open yeah. until. What, know, what's the September. Japan situation looking like? Is the sake bar open? Yeah. Sake bar is open, but okay. the they, they close, close early, at, right? Yeah. They close at seven o'clock every night. So we found that out the hard way when we got over there uh, trying to get the teriyaki chicken uh, bao buns and uh, got there and found out that uh, Mitsukoshi and the uh, the cart outside were everything was closed at seven o'clock at night. So Never. that kind of sucks when the park closes at se- uh, ten. And holy shit, you guys. I'm glad you brought up Epcot and food and wine because it made me think of the uh, my favorite thing of the entire trip that I have not talked about yet, and that's Epcot for effing ever. Oh, my God. So the wings of the Epcot <laughs> experience were very good. I had the Parmesan and garlic and teriyaki sesame ones. There's also a noodle booth uh, that had a beef foe that, for Disney, had pretty good heat. I got on the way out, and it lingered with me until at least the parking lot. So uh, for people that like a little bit of heat, it's not going to be uh, uh, Mother Tucker's hot sauce or anything like that. But for Disney heat, it was pretty good. Good job. Uh, uh, Josh, good. Josh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, uh, no, 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 are crazy. Epcot Forever is fantastic. I don't you get watch what... the same show that we did. You're kidding, right? Like, I mean that that is that is so nonsensical that it doesn't even warrant a response. You trained your daughter too to like <laughs> to, to bait me with your dialogue. <laughs> yep. Sucks. Hey, do you want to buy? You love it so much. You want to buy a extra large T-shirt? Epcot Forever. <laughs> I, I, I I'm not joking. <laughs> I really. I did like it. I I agree with you guys a hundred percent. The uh, the well, the well, part of your let me just go ahead and stop you right there. The, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the part of your world ending, I agree with. It's terrible. That uh, was way too on the nose for me. Uh, it was way too. So you know, the key to having a good nighttime show for you is completely fucking the finale. Nice. <laughs> the, the finale sucked. The, the song choice sucked. The fireworks that went along the, with the finale the were just stopped, fine. The expo- and they were uh, not. Oh, my God. On, they, were they were fine. Did no, you like they were fine. They were fine. What are you like talking about? The fireworks, about? the bottle rocket, and the snake? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, they, this they, show is terrible. They, no. <laughs> uh, they hit me. They, they got me in the soft spot with doing, what, three tracks from the uh, Millennium Celebration. They should have uh, ended with it. It should have. And I would have been super happy with that. Uh, but I like the other music choices. I loved the start of the show with lighting up the pavilions uh, yep. with the lights. I thought that was fantastic. I did not hate the show. I'm sorry. I didn't hate it. Again, I'm not the the Epcot fanboy you two are, so I get it. I'm not, I'm not as attached to it as, as you guys are. But from what I saw 
I think if you removed part of your world at the end, it was a perfectly fine fireworks show. The problem at no is a point finale. did any of your rambling, incoherent <laughs> response make any sense whatsoever. And I worked you zero <laughs> points and have mercy on yourself. <laughs> The yep. uh, the finale of a fireworks show is the most important part of a fireworks show. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. No one could deny that. <laughs> the you get the it's intro the kick grand it off. finale. It's supposed to be. Let's hear it together. Grand. There right. were there were a ton of fireworks at the in my finale. I don't know if they've changed that from what you guys saw, but as far as like the the kabooey booey boom boom stuff, the boom was, booms. There was a ton. <laughs> there were a ton that looked great. The song choice that went along with it, not so great. The um uh, the co- the commentary when Josh and I first saw it, I I had a similar sentiment as Ben that I didn't think the fireworks themselves were the problem. I thought the music was a problem, and I think I, I will huge part of it though. I, I will I will stand by that, but just the the complete miss on the finale for me uh, hurt it. Like there were there were minor flaws leading up to it. But if they nailed the finale with you know a final like solid two minutes, uh, and pick your pick your choice whether it's a song that we close with uh, like celebrate the future, whether they went back to Illuminations or did something that was more befitting of Epcot, hell, I'd even accept new music uh, as long as it was you know grand and significant to the park. Uh, yeah, have you ever watched the show uh, Orville that Seth MacFarlane? Yeah, like yeah. Star Trek spoof. Like the intro song to that would be a perfect like Epcot nighttime show song. I don't like, remember it, but I'll take your word for it. It can be done. Like you okay. can make moving, inspirational, instrumental music. And they were just like, no, we're just going to absolutely snatch defeat uh, from the jaws of victory instead. And, and before legit- people shit, before people shit on me, I know I said what part of your world, a whole new world yeah. as the uh, final song. Whatever. But, yep. Doesn't if matter. If you think going to shit on you, then too. you're miscalibrated. My friend. Well, my, in my, my deal, I told the, the, Tim, while you know, immediately after seeing it, the, the we talked about it the next day. That's the part that I didn't like was, you know, using that song. I I maybe looked too deep into it. I don't think I do. I think you guys look at it as well. It was Disney's way of saying, yeah, the old stuff, whatever you guys liked it. Here's here's some fan service. What we're gonna give you is this whole new world that's gonna be way better than all the old stuff. That's that's my main issue not as much as like saying it's like an ip cartoon movie based song it was the context of the song and what they were trying to uh maybe convey it as a somewhat subliminal message that the new epcot is gonna be way better than the old epcot that's the part that i really didn't like with using that song for the finale it was pitched as a as a tribute to classic epcot and it ended with a whole new world from aladdin there's there's zero excuse for that and you can you're allowed to like the show up to that point, but anybody that tries to defend that aspect of the show uh, is just is just wrong. It's they, they are objectively wrong. That yeah. is not that does not make sense for a tribute to Aladdin. And uh, I'm sorry for a tribute to it makes great sense for a tribute to Aladdin. It makes zero sense for a tribute to Epcot. <laughs> to Epcot no, I, I think that it it very well could be as simple as they liked the line one spark of uh, one spark of light. Excuse me, a whole new world. Uh, they didn't have the excuse me portion in there, but I think they just liked the way that flowed and they could transition into that final song. Um, I think it's literally as simple as that. And I, I anyway, uh, I, I left before the show. Uh, I, I was enjoying my wise bowl. choice. Uh, I got out a good 15 to 20 minutes before Ben did. And uh, I'm, I'm 
glad for it. So, I also didn't see the harmonious barges because I only went to World Showcase at night. So that's the pro tip. If you don't want to see those <laughs> harmonious barges, just hop over to Epcot, wait for uh, wait for yeah, nighttime like before to go to World Showcase. Journalistically, that was a failure, but I, I think that <laughs> so, strategically it was smart. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about that and then one other nighttime fireworks show before we kind of wrap up the, the trip report. But sure. uh, the, the yeah, I guess you didn't see them in their full daytime glory. Uh, no, if, if, kind of my choice. <laughs> and my God, they are massive and huge. And I don't, but I, I went on the other side. I went by the uh, Mexico Pavilion, kind of Mexico, almost in the Mexico Pavilion. I took a photo across of Morocco mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I kind of tongue in cheek posted on Twitter of a, uh, you know, the Imagineers knew that the Tower of Terror would oh, be yeah. seen from the distance, so they modeled the, the architecture around Morocco, and, you know, to, to make it blend in, and in front of Morocco, of course, are these three massive, you know, four massive barges with a big, you know, uh, a Stargate ring in front of it that just totally kills what the Imagineers did when they were building Morocco back in the day, because you don't, you, <laughs> the, the, the sight lines and the views and the uh, the continuity of the storytelling, anything the architecture, it's just all blown to smithereens with these massive, massive eyesores sitting in the lagoon day and night. And, and, and several times they did turn on like the water fountains to try to, uh, you know, give it some effect during the day. And they just like the they look the ones that they ran while I was there were just the puniest looking little <laughs> water spouts going off the side. It looked like it's you left your neighbor the spraying his garden with a hose. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like if you're gonna do that, uh, don't even do anything. Like just take that off. Like, I, I uh, agree. That that is I, like, I've seen them these, online and it's just it's these pathetic. are massive video screens. Could they not like show videos like maybe even just still photos of like different countries around the world on those screens during the day. Yeah, like Smash Mouth video. music videos. Like instead of just blank like Smash Mouth music videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's make the content commensurate with the presentation. <laughs> like I love how like their ideas like this certain water sounds on to make them blend in when. <laughs> When you have actual video screens that you maybe put some content content on there that would make no. sense with the location that they're at and the location yeah, they are in the park, whatever. No, here's what you do. This is the Disney way of doing it is you, you build the display really tall and then you just display sky color on it so it becomes invisible. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah. so that's the one uh, one thing I wanted to bring up on the nighttime shows, and then the final deal is, you know, I appreciate the mask mandates and the 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 the, the things that they're trying to do to keep us protected. But then you go see happily ever after <laughs> on Main Street, and they have ten billion people packed nut to butt uh, from the castle to the end of Main Street, and it just For kills three whatever hours before the show. Yeah, three hours before the show, and it just kills whatever you know safety measures they tried to do throughout the entire day. Uh, it just ends within those last three yeah. hours because you're all standing on top of each other uh, for m- hours as you sit there to watch a 15-minute fireworks show. Everyone so. knows you can't get COVID if it's dark out. <laughs> just like you can't get COVID when you're sitting in a restaurant, but you can when you're waiting to sit at your table. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's how it works. That's science, Josh. That's it, epidemiology. It, it definitely <laughs> just goes back to some of the stuff that we were talking about, why you know some things make sense and some things just don't freaking makes sense and yeah. you said you uh what did you say you appreciate their efforts i the, yeah, i understand I, them but i don't appreciate them yeah, yeah. so uh, uh well the one thing that tim you were very lucky with that i'm sh- shocked they haven't put them back up yet was you got to do everything without the dividers on the attractions you got to yeah. ride rise and uh runaway railway 
without the terrible, terrible front and sec- first and second row dividers up that just kill both of those experiences. So uh, they were still up know. in a lot of queues, but yes, that that I'm, is. Th- and they can be in the queues all they want. That's fine. But once they once they, you know, make a experience uh, worse for questionable safety deal. Yeah, I, mean, I just yeah. I don't. Yeah, again, I don't know the science of that making it much safer than not having them there. Uh, but I do know, like on Mickey and Minnie, it if you sat in that second row, you might as well just leave and not ride it because you can't see crap because it's all video screens and all reflects back in that mirror and, and it was just a you've wasted uh you know like when we were there you would have wasted 90 minutes in line to yeah. get a terrible ride experience uh yeah. so luckily those were gone and they hadn't put them back up uh yet while we were out there I have a couple of quick hits before we wrap. Uh, one thing, if anybody is visiting in the upcoming months, the wait times are absolutely deceiving. I know we mentioned it at the outset. You're going to see queues spilling out into the walkways. But other than your your major attractions, most of Hollywood Studios, uh, the wait times are going to be between 50 and 70 minutes of the posted wait times. And the lines move significantly. Um, I think I anecdotally said uh, Thunder Mountain Early afternoon, 45 minutes uh, was posted. It was out to Country Bears, and I waited 32 minutes. Uh, so don't be discouraged by that. Uh, that is something that I know is going to be a hard sell to my parents when we go in the fall. Um, the other thing is I believe the official policy for getting an annual pass right now is that you, it has to have has it had to have expired uh, after the parks closed for COVID. Uh, my annual pass expired in January of twenty, and I was able to get one. Uh, I went to Animal Kingdom and I got a pained look as if uh, somebody was stabbing the woman in the back, uh, and she was unable to help me out. But at the Magic Kingdom, they were able to help me out. Uh, I guess some credit goes to Mark Glorioso for telling me exactly what to say. Uh, I don't know if it mattered or if I just got a cast member that knew what to do. Um, But if you do have an annual pass right now, you can only reserve three days of park passes. So uh, what the cast member did, knowing that I was on day one of a four-day trip, is she kind of force-added an additional park pass for the studios for me on my last day in the event that something was to be dropped off. Um, and that, that actually created problems when I went to cancel it and rebook it for the Animal Kingdom, which did have availability the next day. I couldn't do it myself, so I had to go back to guest services. But they know me on a first-name basis there, <laughs> and they were, they were able to uh, to fix it for me. But the uh, the bit of an issue is right now transportation out of the Magic Kingdom, they're saying it shuts down an hour after the park closes. And as far as I can recall, it was always two hours or at least an hour and a half. So uh, when I got to the front of the park, maybe 10.15, there was a significant wait at guest services. And that was 10.45 before I got out of there and uh, got on the last boat out to, um, I don't remember where I parked that day. But uh, it was it was cutting it a little close. And uh, I think my other option was to walk over to the Contemporary and maybe get an Uber. So, um, But the, uh, the big thing, uh, if you're looking to get an annual pass before they open it up again, and they did announce that they're going to before October 1st, is if you got it, and it expired in 2020. Uh, I think you just need to find the right cast member, and they'll be able to do it for you. So I can tell you that if they announce that they're coming back, like in the next month from now, we're making an immediate phone call, being like, "You forced us to, you know, buy a 10 day ticket when we've multiple, we multiple, multiple, multiple time DVC annual yeah. pass holder, <clears throat> and they had no flexibility. <clears throat> Excuse me, as I die over here. Um, 
And so instead, we're stuck buying a more expensive 10-day park hopper and having no option to to get it. So we, we will be making that phone call the same way that you talk to them uh, into into doing your renewal. We'll be like, how can we pay whatever we need to do to turn our 10-day ticket that we just used into a AP for this entire calendar year? Because we're going again in June of next yeah. year. So it sucks that we're going to be buying two you know, massive uh, ticket ticket expenditures on top of that. Yeah, and I yeah, could see you was. having some some luck, but it might have to be in person. And in which case, uh, when you're talking about next June, it's going to be kind of moot. So yeah, because you can't plan. Uh, that's the problem is without any sort of spontaneous trip planning, you're sac- you're making a major sacrifice. I bet I'm being able to fix that once you get on property. Right, right. So I I went in uh, with really only a few days ahead of it. People giving me the heads up that I could potentially uh, do what I was able to do, um, and it was just anecdotal. Uh, uh, commentary from a, from two different people saying, if you ask and you find the right person, you should be able to do it. So I I didn't want to spend a, a whole lot of time doing it, but I uh, was successful in doing it the second day or the first day actually. So they just uh, set my uh, park activation date to the day that my trip started, and uh, the price that I paid was the full price. For an out-of-state annual pass, which I believe was eleven ninety-five, which is, in itself is a tough pill to swallow. But yeah, no kidding. It uh, they they jacked that up. The last one that I got in nineteen, I believe, was nine hundred or nine forty-nine. So they bumped that up significantly. But uh, I will get uh, value out of it. And the the rules still kind of hold true. If you're going to buy a four or five day hopper twice in a calendar year, then it still makes sense to get an annual pass. So. I'm pretty sure that the last time I bought an annual pass for my wife and I, that it was about, it was in state. So I'm sure that helped a lot, but I, I'm yeah. thinking it was like $46 a person a year. That's the number that jumps into head. Into seems my head seems a little that, low. I wish I had that. I, you know, I'll look at that for the next episode. It was, I could assure you it was massively cheaper than it is now. I promise it wasn't $46. <laughs> it was 64. I don't know. It was not a lot. I mean, it was. Are you talking it, per month? Yeah. Okay. You're say, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I thought I said that. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think it was $46 a month per person, which would okay. be yeah, like six, right. six something. So half basically yeah. of what you're talking. Pretty, and pretty the, substantial. And the Florida resident ones are, are cheaper, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, uh, D- all in all. DBC, we get the gold and I think it was like what, five fifty six hundred, And I know we've paid significantly more than that for a 10 day park hopper on this yeah. trip. Yeah. Uh, I'd say all in all, though, great to be back in the parks. I know uh, at the outset of this, we were complaining about a lot of it. But, uh, I mean, this is this is one of my favorite places in the world and hadn't been there in close to two years. So it felt it felt great to be there. Um, and I'm looking forward to the next trip and uh, sharing it with my daughter. It's the next time we go out. Uh, and Ben, uh, sorry for the amount of time that I spent with you. But uh, I had uh, fun. You, 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 you owe me an Ohana dinner for it next time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you, <laughs> no. you can put it on we my We had tab. a good time. I'm glad we got to meet. I think I've probably – safe to say that uh, you've spent more time with me uh, in one trip than you spent in your entire lifetime with Derek on the e-ticket report. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a guess. Probably true. Uh, more than Wakefield. I've hung out with Derek in the parks a couple of times. I have never hung out in the parks with Wakefield. He uh, would deliberately schedule his trips to leave a day or two before or after me. Um, smarter, it was kind of smarter man than me. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually, the way that it worked out. <laughs> um, 
But this one, uh, you, again, you made the mistake of telling me when you were going, and I hadn't planned mine, so I was I, uh, I was more flexible. Well, so that, I'll that's be on there. You. That's uh, our trip in March next year. Maybe we'll line up again. <laughs> well, I'm an accountant, so you know that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> April 15th is when I'm going. <laughs> April 16th, I'll be there. <laughs> April April 5th, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, that, then you're not going to see me. Then you're not going to see me. All right, well, uh, we are pushing two and a half hours if we're not there already. Uh, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycall.gmail.com. We will be returning to our build-outs with Animal Kingdom coming up at some point in the future. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Uh, we'd also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. August 6th is National Fresh Breath Day, and after spending time with Ben, I know he should certainly be in the market for some Altoids. Uh, you can buy all, all your breath freshening on Amazon, and if you start your Amazon purchases through our affiliate link, you can fund the show with purchases you're going to make anyway. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water if you want more of my awesome late breaking Chris rock and roller coaster pre show videos. <laughs> and you can find my top 10 column in every issue of Attractions Magazine. Josh, same question. I'm only on utilidors.com. Okay. Four O's. Four, four O's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three of those O's are for savings. That's uh, right. you can <laughs> Four O's for your O face. Prices are plumb O O. Prices are plumb O O. Uh, you can uh, find me at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter. I'm going to mute you guys when we uh, do the final edit here, so it'll nope. help me out. And WDWThemeParks.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Buy a shirt from my website, please. Take well and be care. that we would be recording a podcast this evening. Hmm. It appears that my co-hosts have gone to Walt Disney World without me. That's the final straw. I'm going to set the building on fire. I'll take my business to a competing resort. I'll put Strychnine in the guacamole. Hmm. Inside the Magic Show number 495 for Thursday, July 29th, 2021. Uh, yeah, we're ripping off Inside the Magic. Not ripping it off. It was my idea, my concept. Uh, TTA talk with Ben and Tim this time instead of Ben and Ricky. Uh, if, you, if you didn't hear any of the old deals on uh, Inside the Magic, we are about to start the TTA. We're leaving the, leaving the loading station now, and uh, we're going to talk about Disney in the time it takes us to go around the Tomorrowland Transit Authority people mover one time. 
There's also a half hour wait, so it's only going to be one time, unfortunately. I know you guys would do this for a good, like, three or four loops. We would literally record, like, four in a row without ever getting off the car. But, you know, that was back in the days where, uh, I don't know what to blame this on. There's just people here now. It's packed. The, the, the crowds, the, the parks are very crowded. We, uh, are going to get our first look, at least my first look, at the, uh, Tron construction coming up. And as an audio podcast, this is the best way to convey construction. Uh, yeah, it looks like, looks like they're building something. Uh, I'm going to put the, uh, the opening date in the 2024, 2025 range. The, uh, the canopy, if they just keep it as the mesh canopy, they can probably open it sooner. Honestly, it's coming along good. It started, uh, construction back in 2007. Uh, we're maybe halfway through at this point. Uh, and with your target opening date, it's respectable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, what was it, uh, George W. Bush was in office when they started? Uh, they started building it when the original Tron uh, came out in the, uh, the theaters. Uh, we thought it would be done by Tron Legacy. It wasn't, but, you know, better late than, uh, than never, I guess. Well, I'm nothing if not a fashionista, and uh, trends uh, uh, with clothing are going to come back around so that the uh, Tron aesthetic in the clothing from the uh, early 80s movie will come back around by the time that it opens, I think. I never quit wearing those clothes, so uh, I don't know what that's coming around. If you look over here, though, we get the Rose Gold Castle going on and all the new uh, turrets, and we are just uh, missed it because we're no, going to the... We're, yep, but what, what do you think of the castle, Tim? I, I think the 50 logo is a little crooked, but other than that... They'll get it right for the 60. So what is this piece of junk over here? Uh, that is the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Where's the sing-alongs? Uh, no sing-alongs. This was actually Walt's idea for a totalitarian government, and uh, they represented it here on the Tomorrow, Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. That Walt was a uh, he was a dreamer, wasn't he? Yes, a visionary, true visionary. <laughs> uh, so, what have you what have you thought of your trip so far? We got a little we got a little stretch of uh, nothing here for a moment. What, what did you think of your trip so far? Aside from uh, crashing all day yesterday with uh, with your family, it's been good to see some. Some friends, and uh, I actually view Disney World as a friend because it's it's been close to two years since I've been back here. So, in, in all seriousness, it does feel great to be back. Uh, lightning in the distance, so we're probably going to be on here longer than we anticipated. Um, speaking of lightning, yesterday at the studios, we were walking along uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard. Lightning. We didn't get to like the one Mississippi. We got to the woo of the one Mississippi between the lightning and the thunder. And uh, I'm fairly certain that if it didn't hit the Mickey on the top of Crossroads, it hit one of the many lightning rods that are in that area because it was pretty damn close. I'll pick it up from here on that story as Tim gets to turn around and look at the Tron construction even much closer right now. Look at that baby. It's beautiful, isn't it? That's it. We, got, we got some good drainage pipes. It's exciting stuff. That I, really does look fun, though. I've been here nearly a week and haven't seen one person out there working <laughs> on it. Well, we got to wait until October 1st to start construction again. Everybody's at Ratatouille finishing that right now, right? Yes, yes. Ratatouille, they're fast-paced to get that done on time for October 1st. Uh, I think they need to uh, maybe paint a railing, and then they're good. Uh, Right now, we are entering Space Mountain. Uh, If you give me a second, this is the time where I move across the uh, TTA seat, and we cuddle. Uh, I cuddle with Tim for the next uh, two minutes or so. I'm actually expecting you to do what your father would do to your mother on Alien Encounter. Was that your hand? Yes, it was. (laughs) Don't ask questions. <laughs> Don't talk about my mom and dad on Alien Encounter either. That's uh, inappropriate stuff. This is a family show. It really isn't. No, it's not. 
I suppose inside the magic was ripping attention. that off. Uh oh. This is our favorite part. Remain seated. We have been struck by lightning. Breaking. <laughs> and will resume motion at any time. So, yeah, I don't know why we're not talking right now. So, <laughs> well, I, this is authenticity, Tim. We want people to hear the uh, safety spiel. To confirm uh, your flight to the moon. Yeah, we're really here. We're, uh, what do we do to confirm our, confirm our flight to the moon? Don't leave us hanging like that, lady. <laughs> so, uh, Ben has not been on Jungle Cruise yet today, but uh, today marked the debut of two new scenes. Um, and my second uh, trip on the Jungle Cruise this trip with Skipper Emily. Uh, different Skipper Emily, though, this time. I don't know if they swap name tags. I believe you've done that in the past. Oh, we have house lights on. Perhaps we should be recording this in actual video as opposed to audio. <laughs> we may be uh, evacuated off the TTA here, which uh, wasn't really the plan. But uh, maybe we switch over to video in time. Well, you've got a, you've got your phone, so if you want to do a little video, I'll keep the audio recording uh, just so we can keep a good record of this in case we don't make it out of here. Okay, we are not going to die. Ride motion is going to begin immediately. But you know, if, if you do a bumper car attraction, <laughs> you just warned us. If you did take like the. 15 seconds of video that we've been stopped or so 30 seconds now and posted it uh itm would write a story about oh yeah oh, tta yeah, being down all day <laughs> yes uh yesterday we were over at tower of terror and the wait time read something to the effect of k7 plus k7 parentheses k7 minus k7 less than uh I think somebody was trying to guess the password for the uh, uh, for the wait time thing for, for Tower of Terror, and they're just entering in incorrect numbers. So I took a picture of it, posted it to Twitter. Inside the Magic wrote a five-paragraph article on the fact that the Tower of Terror wait time sign was messed up. So uh, good on them, and since we're ripping them off, I can insult them here. You only get the important stories on that one, and unfortunately, the work lights just went off. I was thinking for a second we might get a little... Yeah, uh, get Mountain, we might get some Space Mountain, but it's not going to happen. Uh, but we have continued moving again. So, uh, you know, the, this show's Marty called will continue into the future. We're uh, we're not dead. You know, we're not lost. Packages will be shipped through beams of light. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I wanted to go by Crazy Larry's and get a uh, space car. Oh, I remember that spiel. Wasn't Mario Lopez in that one? I think oh, it was Mario. Speaking Mar of the Jaws, he was in one of those, like, wacky... Uh, uh, like local commercial style. It might uh, no. I think Mario Lopez. He might have been on this one. The one that I think of is the uh, voice of Roger Rabbit, though. That was Crazy Larry. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's what I go on there. Uh, but you know, speaking of crazy, what do you think of uh, uh, us being here and Josh not being here? The crazy one of our group. Yeah. Well, as again, we because we are ripping off inside the magic. It is important to maintain counsel and perhaps a, a secure location should we be sued. Um, I don't know necessarily how, how those types of lawsuits work, but uh, Josh had wanted no part of being down here in July, and frankly, he wasn't invited anyway, so it, it really kind of worked out nice. Are we going to keep our blood pack to never include Josh on one of our trips uh, moving forward? That's probably fair. That's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to, like, permanently get kicked out and trespass from Disney, and I think my odds of that never happening is better if Josh isn't with me. Did steal a cucumber yesterday from living with the land. There's no video evidence of that. So then it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Don't check my TikTok. I actually got some sorghum. I was I was in need of some broom fiber. <laughs> I uh 
I'm hoping we avoid some of this storm. It's been raining pretty nonstop for the uh, the last two days and today, well, three days, really. Uh, Tim brought the rain with him. It didn't rain at all uh, before Tim got here from Massachusetts, so thanks a lot. I'm a little bit high from those noxious fumes from the Tomorrowland Speedway. Those um, aren't electric? <laughs> no, they're not. I also, uh, I'm going to be reciting part of my house, so I may need to hit the Tron site and get some of that Tyvek home wrap that they got laying around. Well, like I said, not one person's been at that construction site for a week, so uh, find a door and go through. I see the door. I can probably get through there. There really doesn't seem to be anybody watching it. I think we can probably get in there. So we're now coming up on the Carousel of Progress. And uh, Tim, tell me, what was that idea for a Moana attraction that you were pitching for, uh, pitching to me earlier in this uh, COP spot? Well, uh, because I am nothing but uh, a good father, my daughter has established that her favorite Disney-related thing now is how far I'll go from Moana. So I'm just going to do a sing-along. That's what Ben wants. That's what that's what my daughter wants. And we're going to replace Carousel of Progress with a Moana sing-along. At least you're replacing what I consider a sing-along with a sing-along. <laughs> I suppose that works. I suppose that works. Maybe just keep the family, but have them sing Moana songs. That was what they are going to do in Spaceship Earth, too, I think. They still might, to be fair. Uh, but they're going to have a manta ray flying around for some reason. By the way, we went to the Epcot Preview Center earlier today. Uh, love it, you know, and seeing everything, but I uh, did notice that the Mary Poppins stuff was still up in the uh, UK. Have you heard anything on uh, Is That Around? I'm surprised they didn't rip it from uh, what they have in there automatically with the rumors that we've obviously heard of it being scrapped from the project. I don't even know if that's rumor. I think they flat out said that it has been indefinitely delayed. But uh, I think that money actually, again, in all seriousness, went to the Splash Mountain uh, Princess and the Frog update if they're reallocating funds. But to the Epcot experience, did you get the wings over there? I did not get the wings. Uh, we had Via Napoli. We ate a meter pizza before I went in there. So uh, wings wings were the last. Meter pizza? We, we had the meter pizza. Meter pizza? <laughs> we don't sell meter pizza here. You got liter cola? Liter cola? <laughs> uh, uh, we can't. We're, we are now leaving the tunnel, uh, going around M- MILF, and uh, coming up pretty close here to the end of the ride. Leaving the tunnel around MILF? MILF. Monsters Inc.'s last floor. It's MILF. It's, it's the best euphemism they got. Between that and ass over at Hollywood Studios with Alien Swirling Saucer, uh, they're, they're really nailing the. Uh, uh, quickly, though, before we end, your thought on the barges. They were dark, so I, did, I barely saw them. When If you go at night and only at night, which is about really the only functional purpose of Epcot right now, the barges disappear, so they're, they're perfect. If you only go there for three hours a day, then you're fine. That's the pro tip. Uh, so that's the pro tip there, and uh, I hope they extend Epcot forever because it's fantastic and the best nighttime fireworks show they've ever done. Tim can't respond to that whatsoever because we're coming to the exit of the attraction. Uh, our, our ride is almost over. Tim is agreeing with nodding his head up, uh, up and down, so he's in total agreement on Epcot forever. But uh, this was fun, Tim. We should do this again uh, on another future trip without Josh. That sounds like a plan. All right, so uh, for the lawyers with Inside the Magic listening right now, this is not TTA Talk. Uh, I am not Skipper Ben. This is not Tim. Uh, do not go to... People Mover Talk. Uh, people Mover Talk. I, I like it. People Mover Talk. Screw you, ITM lawyers. People Mover Talk. Uh, technicality. Yep. So I uh, hope you guys had fun, and we'll talk to you next time.